Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. In much less detail, the podcast where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. Here are your hosts, Jay and Dre. You are listening live to Kings of Non Sequitur, the off-season version of the much less detailed podcast. We are here with you live on a Sunday night, March the 25th, 2018. I'm Dre, he's Jay, and in many parts of the country, it doesn't feel like baseball season at all because it's still snowing and people are still digging out, and it's still the month of March. But despite all that, baseball's coming in a matter of a few days, and so we're here to preview the upcoming baseball season. It's already time for a hardball preview. They are starting the season earlier than ever this year in an attempt to not have the season go quite as long at the end, which I guess makes sense with all the added playoff rounds that we've had in the last few years. So, Jason, it's, it's time for some baseball already. Uh, we got some rules changes to talk about. We got some uh, signings some some people moving uh, to different places, and, and teams are coming around. They're setting themselves up. And it's looking – like a, a, a little bit of, uh, to me, a little less of what we've had uh, recently is not quite as many teams, I don't think, that are just not trying at all. There are plenty still not trying, don't get me wrong. But it seems like there's a few more of those uh, every year that are actually trying to compete instead of just trying to take every single game. Yeah, you know, in preparation for the show, I, you know, I, I was sitting here and I was doing my homework, going through, going up and down the rosters, looking at some of the changes, the roster shakeups. It, it, it is so stark the contrast, though, between the haves and the have-nots. Still, I mean, you really do right. have a, a league of fourteen teams that are that are that you could probably throw into a hat and shake up and come out with some playoff scenarios. And then the rest of the league is just dead weight. Now that's fine because you're going to have every year, you're going to have a certain number of teams that are that are rebuilding teams and there are teams that are working a plan. I think the Cubs and the Astros over the last few years have sort of started the new blueprint for teams to see, you know, to set forth on that mission to, to reshake up their, their roster and to just tear it down to nothing and then build it back up, acquire farm talent, in the, the trouble with that, because it's great. It, it's, it was great for the Cubs and the Astros. The trouble with that is, do you have the player personnel people to be able to pull it off? It, and, and it's a copy. Every league is a copycat league. Football is a copycat league. You know, look at basketball. You had the, the everybody just wants to shoot threes now because of the Warriors and Steph Curry. And now you're basically trying to see a lot of these teams are trying to sort of recapture the magic of what the what the Cubs and the Astros have pulled off, and we're we're going to see whether or not some of that's successful. So it was an interesting off season, a lot of free agency. Well, I mean, the hot stove just just kind of ended. I mean, you know, there were the the big free agent period was basically the entire off season 
we didn't even really get to talk about it much on the show because it was so lackluster. And then it was all backloaded here where you had all the signings basically late. So we're really going into baseball season here now with a lot of these moves more fresh in our minds um, than ever before. And it, with an early season start like this too, yeah, it, does, it does feel a little weird that it's March 25th and we're doing our baseball preview show. We should still have another full week before even beginning to think about this and, you know, next Sunday, which would, which would be Easter this year, but next Sunday. So a week from now would nominally be the, the first Sunday night game of the season this year, we're getting all the games starting on Thursday. So we're not going to get that, that late night game. Uh, I think as of 1140 central time on Thursday, we're going to have Cubs Marlins. (laughs) Wow, yeah. what an exciting way to kick off the season. Yeah. We need the we need the Howard Dean scream. You know, yeah. you know we need some we need, we need something to get us excited about Cubs Marlins <laughs> next Thursday at eleven forty in the morning. Um but it's gonna be baseball that counts. I have about a week ago I reached that point. I think like most of the teams did, I reached that point in spring training when I just wanted it to be over. Sure. You know, the novelty the novelty of spring training wears off after you watch about three or four games. Like, okay, and and then it's go. just, yeah, yeah, all right. I saw what I need to see. Baseball's back. They're playing in Arizona and Florida. This is great. Let, let's go play some baseball that counts. So I do appreciate the little bit earlier start this year. Um, even if it's a little bit more drawn out and they, they manufacture in a few more off days to, especially early in the season where you have a lot of weather scenarios that can that can creep up. But uh, it, it'll be exciting. It'll be real baseball, and by again a few days into it, we'll be in the you know overreaction theater, and you know t- a team that's supposed to be hot shit starts out one and two, and you know everybody's gonna run around with their hair on fire. So I'll, we'll, we'll be loving it. We always love it. You were uh, telling me off the air about the scheduling that you believe that they're trying to set up a lot of these cold weather teams early on. They're really going out of their way to make sure that they're playing in warmer weather to try to avoid some of the scenarios that we've seen over the years where the first week or two of games are uh, postponed because of snow and and ice and really, really terrible conditions. So uh, we'll we'll see how that works out for, for some of these teams. Now it's impossible to schedule all the cold weather teams uh, you can't put them all on the road because it doesn't work out that way. The the, the geography doesn't work. Too bad, you know, it's too bad that there aren't the same equal number of good weather teams as there are bad weather teams. Uh, but the fact that they're trying to, to, you know, as you were pointing out, the Cubs are opening in Miami, uh, Chicago, one of those terrible weather cities. But Pittsburgh's opening in Detroit. That That's a series that, you know, there's nothing you can really do. Pittsburgh and Detroit – uh, are liable to right. have snow out. So, you know, one or the other. St. Louis at the New York Mets, either way, you you know, not much you can do about that. Minnesota and Baltimore. So, you know, there's there's only so much you can do. Uh, so a lot of these games are, are still going to be in danger of having really bad weather situations. But uh, we'll have to hang on and, and see how it all works out. 
The other part of opening the season so early is it allows for more off days to be sprinkled into the schedule so that if you do have a whole bunch of cancellations and postponements early on, it's not going to be quite as catastrophic going into the rest of the season. You're not going to maybe have so many doubleheader scenarios. Uh, you can have a, you know, a scenario where you got a common off day in June or July or August, and you can reschedule some of these games that way. So they're, they're trying to bake in a little more flexibility in their schedule. Uh, I, I think there's a little fan friendliness trying to go into that uh, along with some of these other rule changes, trying to make the game a little more concise. Uh, so I don't know how, how it's all going to shake out. I don't know how you feel about some of these things, the earlier schedule. We got the uh, the, ca- the catcher visits being reduced and, and having a limit put on them. Uh, the six catcher visits per game uh, are allowed now, although, of course, there's no real penalty right now for if you go over six. So we I, no one seems to know what's the, the penalty if you do decide to go over that amount, which the, you know, the Yankees and the Red Sox are – liable to go over that amount in the, in the very first game that they play against each other. So a lot of these things trying to make it uh, a little more fan friendly uh, and we'll see how it all works out. Now we've seen teams try to go over that in one inning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, the reliever comes in, you can't get the science right. And it's like, Oh boy, here we go again. All right. Let's try to talk this over one more time. It's, one is fastball two is Kurt. You know, it's, so I guess they're really going to have to work on getting their signals straight and getting their signs figured out before they get out there to the mound, which, which that'd be nice. You know, yeah. the, the quarterback, the quarterback doesn't get to, to have no idea what the plays are when he comes into the game. He better know what they are or else you're going to be screwed because there's nothing you can do at that point. So uh, it'd be nice for the pitchers to actually know what the, the signs are when they're coming into a game. Especially with the multitude of pitching changes that we see now, you know, we we have some of these uh, managers like Dave Roberts who just does more pitching changes. Was it two years ago? More pitching changes than ever in history in that right. in that run up in that Dodgers team, just running out there. You know, every guy was going out there to face basically one or two batters, and with all the pitching changes and commercial breaks, and the catcher goes out there because you're going to to basically stall time so that the bullpen. Yeah, there's a lot of that I would like to see, you know, shortened up. We don't, and especially you bring up the Yankees and the Red Sox, who are the biggest offenders. Why? Every time the Yankees and the Red Sox play a Sunday night baseball game, it has to play for four hours and 45 minutes for a nine-hour game, for a nine-inning game. Yeah. And that just it makes no sense. The score is five to four. (laughs) Right. We had a couple instances of games that went over five hours. Oh. For a nine inning game, which is you know we, we, yeah we're not talking about a seventeen sixteen marathon game here either. We're just talking about so much manipulation of the time that you really don't need it to drag on like that. So they're so going to try to put that limit on. Yeah, they're, they're going to try to do something. That's that's one move. We've heard the rumor about the the pitch clock, the the shot clock. Make sure you can yeah. throw a pitch in a certain amount of time I'm down here in Memphis. So I've, you know, with all the minor league games that I keep score of for the Redbirds, so I've, I've seen the pitch clock be implemented and I don't know if I would really have a problem if they put it in the major league, they're not going to do it right now, but I'm sure it's coming probably, you know, next year, I would think 
the, the problem with it down here in the minors, and this won't surprise you when you, when I tell you this, not every umpire implements it. So, you know, some oh. umpires <laughs> said, oh, you know, the clock goes to zero and they call time. And if the pitcher isn't, hasn't delivered, then it's an automatic ball. And, but most umpires just let it go. It goes to zero and, and everybody just kind of looks at each other. And then the pitcher steps off and, and we just, nothing happens. We just start over again. And we'll start the clock again. So it's it's all about what umpires decide. You can imagine, you know, the old veterans like Joe West just, ah, I'm not going to bother. You know, it goes to zero. Who cares? I'm, I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's, you know, so then it gets into a matter of you have to make sure if you're going to put that in, you have to make sure everybody's on board in, in actually implementing the new rule. Because if it doesn't get implemented, then what's the point? And that's what we're going to see with this six catcher visit thing. The first time someone goes to seven and nothing happens, there's no punishment for it. It's going to be like, what's the point? What what are we doing? Yeah, I think you and I are on record as the more progressive of the baseball fans, you know. And, and as as traditional as our views can be, and as old fashioned as we can sound, some especially when we're doing the football show, um, when we're doing our picks and we're talking, oh, I remember the good old days, you know, we're talking. And all the things that we talk about with football, when it comes to baseball, I think we both find ourselves firmly progressive when it comes to changes to the game. Because baseball is a game that could really use some some enhancement, and I don't mean of the players or of the ball. I am talking about the experience within the game. Uh, we are we're both on record as supporting the robot ump. I would have nothing against. The, the pitch clock, I've got nothing against all these pointless catcher visits to the mound. I mean, six of them, that's a lot. It, it, there's no yeah. reason that you need to have the catcher run out to talk to the pitcher in the second inning. The pitcher's in trouble, he's in trouble. He's, you know. First in. Right. First in, the first two runners get on up, oh, we got to have a, a the entire well, have a, have have a, come in. Yeah, let's. <laughs> play for the first time a runner is on second base. It's like, they, don't you guys practice this stuff? This, this, this. So, so I, I, I am all okay with with with, with robotic strike zones, uh, especially after the last few seasons where you can just see how bad the umpiring is. And it's funny that you talk about the umps, you know, desire or lack of desire to implement the rule because we just know how crusty and ego driven these umpires are. And mm-hmm. anything that we can do to sort of shake that up is also a good thing to me because I'm tired of, you know, one guy with the four foot wide strike zone, another guy who's going to basically call balls right down the middle um, balls instead of strikes. We don't, we don't need that. We have the technology to get rid of so much of this garbage. And these people, I don't care about the traditionalism. It's all about, you know, we didn't have, you know, the Fox box or the, the, the I or whatever they want to call it. We didn't have that in 1885 or, you know, these guys playing baseball, in the, you know, in the sand lots or in these little parks at Ebbets Field. We didn't have any of this stuff. We have it now. And we've cited so many examples of where it works. And they've brought in the instant replay. And, yeah, it can be a little messy sometimes, and maybe it's a little overused. But ultimately, they're getting more calls right now. I, I, I would much rather know that a ball down the line was fair than have the ump be wrong and call it foul. And you know, you could have some of these calls, or a guy who's safe at first, or 
a tag at second. It was getting it was getting a little footballish there for a while last season where you felt like the people were looking for something that wasn't maybe wasn't always there and so you'd see a lot of calls that were just sort of bang bang and just could have been left be but then you break it down and say, oh maybe the ball was slightly moving in the mitt oh, it was getting a little crazy so I could understand we that sometimes... this replay right here oh, at this man. frame, then we can maybe see a blade of grass that went the wrong yeah. way and we can call it a foul ball. Right. Or the tip of his spike was maybe on the base in this one <laughs> angle. So that was enough. So, yeah. yeah. And there was a lot of complaining about that because, you know, you're supposed to have the clear and concise. Um you know, this is no different than we were talking about this whole last season. The whole overriding season story for me this last year was this whole Alberto River on garbage. That, you know, we talked about how Roger Goodell basically slapped that down right before the Super Bowl. And all of a sudden we get to the Super Bowl and all those calls that were questionable all year, they were just fine. Ah, the they're touchdowns now. Yep, we're all good. <laughs> That's a catch. Someone got, sure. someone, someone got the memo. Uh-huh. I, I don't want to see football go. I, mean, I, I don't need to see baseball go to that extreme, but I am all for speeding up the game, improving the sport, getting things right, you know, and and definitely, definitely not having it all be in the hands of these egomaniacal umpires. I don't need I like to know these guys. Baseball. Names. Yes, right. I don't like watching Angel like Hernandez. Right. I don't need to watch the ump show. I need to watch the game. I love the game, not the ump shows. Yeah. Uh, so have you, have you yeah. heard about this minor league rule that they're putting in this year uh, that's going to affect me sitting down here watching games? There's another one that they're not going to put in the majors, not yet, but I can imagine that they might go to it in the future. And this is a really radical one. Uh, the one about what they're going to do in extra innings. Did you hear about that? That uh, starting the tenth inning with the guy on second base. Every extra inning, a man on second to start the inning, right off the bat. Now that's, that that's out there. That's asinine. <laughs> that I'm is sorry. really altering. No, I agree. That's it's it's not stupid. baseball it's, anymore. It's stupid as hell. Yeah. Let's just start football overtime with the ball on the ten yard line. Oh, you mean like college, which I Pretty also much. think is stupid. Yeah. I mean, so let's say you've got a pitching duel and it's 0-0 going to the 10th and nobody can get anywhere and you're playing all the strategy and then now all the other team just gets a free guy on second base. And so yeah, the dude. next guy gets intentionally walked, right? Yep. Next That's guy bunts him over. I mean, yeah, I, no. Nobody is going to want to watch. Nobody is going to want to watch intentional walk, bunt, bunt, sack fly, and that ends your baseball game. You I'm perfectly fine a, with, yeah. So there. Any pitching performance would know, without getting a hit. Yeah. Sometimes you can be too progressive, and that's yeah. that, that's a bit much. That that's a bridge too far. Um, I didn't realize that there was an epidemic problem in minor league baseball 
with guys playing extra innings. That's the other thing that everyone uh, is, uh, I say everyone, a lot of the baseball people that I've seen comment on the subject, that's the other thing they're, they're talking about or complaining about. There's not a big problem with extra inning baseball games in the minor leagues. We're not sitting down here going, oh, my God, it's another extra inning game. Right. It, doesn't, it doesn't happen that often. <laughs> There's really no – you're fixing a problem that didn't need fixing, uh, number Correct. one. And number two, you're making it a, a bastardization of the game of baseball. Because that's not baseball. Yeah. That is – there no, is no other form of baseball where you play by starting a man on base who didn't earn his way on base. That's that is that is asinine. That's exactly the right word to use, and it's it's bastardizing the game, and I absolutely hate that part of it. That sure. part, I guess I'm I'll be the traditionalist and I'll be the crusty old man, uh, because think about any other sport. We we just brought up football the way they do it in college, where they just give you the ball at the opponent's twenty five, yeah. which I I've never been a fan of that. Uh, which forget what, forget I the whole idea of playing defense at that point. Because they've already advanced the field goal range because yeah. the referee put the ball there. Huh? Yeah. I can't even think of the equivalent in basketball. Would it be to uh, inbound the ball at the foul line instead of having to come full court? I don't even know how you w- would bastardize basketball like that. But it's not that when you alter the game to make it at that point, just make it a home run derby. Then if you're going to just go make it like a hockey shootout <laughs> yeah. and say first, first team to hit five balls over the fence wins the game. If you're going to do it like yeah. that, because well, I mean, bas- basketball, I, you're only playing five minutes. So that's easy enough. You right. Know? One could argue I mean, that's, that's a bastardization, yeah. but at least they're yeah. still playing you know the game. We're just going to take it another step farther. It's not just going to be five-minute overtime in basketball anymore. Now it's just going to be three-on-three. There you go. That, that's another hockey thing to take men off the ice. Three-on-three, uh, yeah. three, or how about how about sudden death? First team to hit a shot wins, and wow. we can all leave. <laughs> We're going to play horse. We're going to play a game <laughs> of horse to determine the winner of the game. Yeah, I mean, you've already in, in hockey, you've got shootouts. Yeah, so maybe in baseball we just have home run derby. I, I like it. I, I, I didn't know there was an epidemic to have to shorten all these. If games. there's this I, big I, of a problem in baseball with extra inning games, just hey, you know what? You get through the twelfth inning, have a tie. There you go. Oh. Just start throwing <laughs> ties in there. That don't say that out loud because somebody might listen and think that's a good. But Selig, but Selig's gone, he, so he doesn't have to. You know, I don't have to worry about Bud Selig putting that rule in. You know, we had a we had a tie in the in the All Star game. But no, I'm saying that I would. That's a better idea than starting a guy off on second base. Bud Selig's Hall of Fame plaque uh, should be a, uh, of him of that picture of him at the All Star game with his arms in the air going die. Shrugging. <laughs> The shrug that should be in the black. Oh, thank you. Oh, your buddy. That's your buddy, Bud Seelig. Come on. Uh-huh. Worst sports commissioner, I swear to God. So yeah, so yeah, none of the rule changes are really, you know, the the minor league one. Forget it. That that if that makes it to baseball, you're drat. You, you will have such an uprising against something that oh. idiotic and stupid. Um, I don't think I could see that happening because it's not a player safety issue. This isn't like football, you know, where they're, they're trying to quote unquote player safety, you know, issues, trying to change the game, which we know is just 
total, totally a farce. We're not having those problems with baseball. Baseball has gone when it's been the safety thing, you know, where where uh, the targeted slides, guys sliding, you know, taking out the shortstop or the second baseman on the slide, the catcher having to stand in front of home plate so he doesn't get steamrolled at the plate. And uh, yeah, I'm a little more baseball purist and traditionalist on that one. It's like, get out of the, you know. I miss seeing guys get trucked at home plate, but I mean, we're just never going to go back to that. I do. Sorry. I understand, but I definitely am I'm in favor of the rules now that I've seen the, the difference in the game of baseball after the rules have been implemented. It's so much better to see it's, it's better baseball to see the runner coming down home plate knowing he's got a path to the plate and doesn't have to try to get around this 300 pound water buffalo at home plate oh yeah to me it makes for for better baseball but i understand missing the the big collision i I get that but but i do think it's better for the game uh they they also are going to be putting these nets in i think uh if, if not this year then maybe next year the next few years like every stadium needs to have these nets uh, these foul nets extending all the way down the, the dugout line. These balls are going so fast into the stands. It's ridiculous to expect these fans, you know, not just the kids, but the the adults who are not professional athletes and don't have that kind of reflex time anyway. It's ridiculous to expect them to be able to defend themselves at all times. And the balls are, are, are getting hit harder than ever before. The exit velocities are, are harder than ever before because everyone is trying to hit the ball as hard as they can. There's no one really uh, trying to just put the ball in play anymore. Um, and it's, and it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Someone there, you know, there is, feels like they were waiting for someone to like get murdered uh, before they decided to do this. And there's enough kids getting sent to the hospital, maybe not dying yet, thankfully, but there was enough of that happening uh, for the PR to be such a terrible thing that I think they're going to eventually put these nets in everywhere. And, and that's definitely a good thing. Yeah. I've, there's definitely no protection right above the dugouts. I mean, having sat in uh, one of my friend's seats at Wrigley field, you know, about 15 rows right behind uh, the first base dugout, you get those balls come. I've, I've had balls come off bats, just go screaming by and you have no time to react. No, none at all. Uh, so I could, I could understand that. And those nets aren't necessarily, they're not in the way, you know, it's not going to take anything away from your viewing of the game. They're fairly thin. It's not something where it's going to ruin your viewing. It's not going to make your seats any worse, but knowing that a ball if it's coming your way is going to have to at least have a high arc to come up over the screen to, to give you a chance to at least catch the ball. Uh, I'm all for that. I'll bring this perspective for people who do think that it would sort of ruin their experience of watching it. I'll give you a little bit of that. My job of, of keeping score for uh, baseball info solutions, my seats are right behind home plate. So I've been doing it now for, I believe five years. That whole first year uh, of watching every game behind the netting, right behind home plate, I was a little bit discombobulated, not a whole lot, but it was a little bit, you know, now I'm completely used to it. So I guess you'll get used to it is what I'm trying to say. But I understand that, you know, it'll it'll throw you off a little bit, you know, sort of having to look around uh, the wiring and, and, you know, if you're used to just a completely wide open view of everything, 
uh, it, it might be uh, something that takes away a little bit. But if you really love the game of baseball, it's not going to take away all that much. And I do appreciate the fact that I can relax and, and have a, a hot dog in my hand or a drink in the other hand while the game is happening, knowing that I'm not going to get a ball hit at me that's going to destroy my food and send everything flying and possibly break my nose. So the, the peace of mind of that, I'll take that uh, over any inconvenience. Yeah. So yeah, here we are. It's, we're Four days away from baseball, we're talking all the rules. Yeah, we got to get some meat and potatoes here. And <clears throat> once again, because of the, you know, hopefully, hopefully, this is a little more interesting, I would say, than last year, where you and I agreed <laughs> on every single thing. And the trouble, the trouble again for me looking at a lot of these divisions and a lot of these teams is. Very few of the teams that were really good last year. Now, granted, we didn't have all the right teams. You know, we weren't 100% perfect, but we agreed on everything. But when you go back now and you look at last year and you look at all the teams going into this year that were good last year, they're, they're still good. And I, my point was, I think there's more teams that are good that were bad and trying to lose. Now, there's... The Twins and the Brewers specifically, for example, I did. I, me personally, I had them in a category last year of really not trying and and rebuilding, but you, you know, were you know, not really down on the on the Brewers. I believe. Yeah, I didn't think they were any good, uh, and lo and behold, there they were contending at the end of the year. Both of them. That I I didn't yeah. think much of the Twins either. Uh, there's more to me. There's a few more teams that are trying than there, there used to be. But I completely understand what you're saying, that there's only so many teams in each division that are trying to do anything, so you can just throw them right out you know, immediately. There's only, yeah. in each division, yeah. one, two, maximum three teams that's actually trying to win this year. And, and that makes it uh, not boring, but a little predictable, a little sort of yeah. weary if you're, if you're in one of those cities where the team is – Seems like they're perpetually losing. The, the fans of Miami. Oh my gosh, I can't imagine being a fan hey, of the Marlins. That that organization. Second, second place Marlins. And let's not forget, I called that last year. Ridiculous. Just utterly. They only, ridiculous. Well, they were in second place and they won seventy-seven games. I, I, I'm while I am patting myself on the back, I am also sort of parroting the fact that they did that because it was pretty shitty that the sad sack 77 win Marlins were the second best team in the NL East last year. And you and I, you and I, it was the biggest disagreement that we had on the baseball preview show last year was the, the fate of the Miami Marlins. Right. That was like like the big controversy. (laughs) (laughs) We spent 15 minutes arguing about the Marlins because we agreed about everything else. Right. Uh, but I, no, don't I know think it's going to be exactly like that. Firmly agree that the Barlins this year are shit. <laughs> they got rid of everybody. You feel bad for who's left. I mean, Starlin Castro. Starlin Castro got to the Marlins and was asking to be gone like the next day. <laughs> well, you know, it's, uh, it's it's pretty sad. That's it's that organization. It's like they're trying as hard as they can 
to to fuck over everybody in their city. Anyone who supports them, any yeah. fan, any of the politicians that went to bat for them to allow them to screw over the city and get that stadium built. That stadium, by the way, which when you drive by, it looks like a spaceship. It's the weirdest looking place. Uh, well, that's right, because you've been down it, there. Yeah, it's so expensive, and it looks yeah. expensive, but it also looks weird. And I, it, the the team is weird. The stadiums, are, everything is just weird about Miami. And uh, I I don't know. I don't know what they're trying. They to got do rid of there. everybody. I mean, they pretty much got right. rid of everybody. I think Real, what, Real Muto is like the last guy standing, and he'll be gone soon. Right. So, <sighs> so with all of that, all right. Uh, yeah, let's get off the Marlins. Like again, here we are. <laughs> Two two years in a row, we're talking about the Miami Marlins. Let's... We don't even start with the, uh, a, the NLE. We need a better sound effect. We need a better sound effect. We can't use the whistle anymore. Well, we we can't. I, well, well, I know you use no the whistle, whistle for baseball. baseball? Yeah, I, so I mean, we have to for next year. We'll have to remember to find some baseball <laughs> sounds. We need like a you know like a bat hitting the ball with some cheering or something. <laughs> Play ball. Um, yeah, there's no whistles in baseball. We probably have used a whistle before, but uh, the, that you're you're right. That would be inappropriate. And so I'm gonna. Uh, <laughs> I'm going through all of our. Uh, I'm going through all of our drops. They're, they're so football. They're so football heavy. Go figure, because this is a football right. show. So. Yeah. We, we don't have any any baseball sounds. So. I guess we'll just have to just get on it on our own here. You know, we we do what we can here. Um, no baseball. There you go. No baseball sounds. So we play that in in morning of no baseball sounds, and then we get started with our baseball preview. Uh, no, we don't start with the NL East. Our custom on our show is to give love to whichever team is the defending world champions by starting in the division where that team came from. And so this year, that means we're starting out West in the uh, American League West. We're the maybe the only baseball preview show that's going to start out West that isn't actually situated out West. So that, you got that going for you. Uh, any AL West? How do you uh, how do you see that breaking down? We I guess we're just gonna kind of freestyle and figure our way sure. through uh, how we're gonna. I, I, the one place that we maybe we can start is I think we're both gonna take Houston to repeat and win that division. Stunning, but <laughs> I I have the Houston Astros to to repeat in that division. I looked at that division last year. The Astros won it by 21 games. So I have to ask myself, okay, even if the Astros are 10 games worse than they were last year, who's going to make up the other 11 or 12 games to contend them with them? There's nobody there. There's just nobody in that division that's going to be good enough, even if the Astros do like the Cubs did last year and have the World Series hangover. And and they start off a little slow, although they 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 swear they're not going to do that. But you you, you know it happens. Uh, you know the Cubs last year were just terrible in the first half and losing, you know, not doing a very good spot by the All Star break. And then they, within a week of the All Star break, they were back in first place and had the best record of baseball in the second half of the season. So the Astros are the class of well, right now they're the class of baseball. The lineup is stacked. The rotation is loaded. Even even if they don't get 
the same Justin Verlander motivated as he was when he came over. Now he's just sort of firmly entrenched in that ace position for them. Even if they don't get that level of performance from him, he's still a top-tier pitcher. They added Garrett Cole to that rotation, which is just another big get for them. They still have Keiko. Yeah, they'll rotate the rotations loaded and the offense is loaded. So there, there's not there, there's no holes. There's no holes on that team. They can hit, they can run, they can field, and they can pitch. Uh, I think that's about as good as it gets. I could easily see them eclipsing 100 wins again. That division is pretty sorry. Uh, I guess I'm gonna guess you see the Astros sort of the same way. They're so loaded that they're going to send uh, Tyler White and Francis Martins to AAA. And I think Tyler White could probably start at first base for half the teams uh, in the major yeah. leagues right now. And I think Francis Martins could be a number three starter for half the teams in the major yeah, and, leagues. They uh, are absolutely stacked. And, and Kyle Tucker would be starting for 20 teams right now right. based on the spring that he had. So you know, other than service time, he'd be starting for, for, for 20 teams right now. But, uh, and they might deal Colin McHugh. Yeah, they, they, they are clearly in a position where they are young. These guys, most of these guys are not even at a close to a position where they've got to get paid yet. And everybody came up. Everybody's good. You know, and I, I hate to draw the Cubs comparisons, but we talked about this two years ago. We talked about it some even last year going into the season about how the, we just didn't see it happening this fast. And they got really good really fast. And they are they they deserved to be uh the World Series champions. There's not a there's not a hole on that team. I mean, they have balance offensively, which is something I look at and we'll talk about some of the other teams, but they are truly a balanced offense. They do have power guys they have base stealers they're smart there's a lot to like about the Houston Astros so I I think this is unless there's catastrophic injuries which you can never predict we're operating in a perfect world in a prediction show where all things are going to be rosy and sunny all year long Um, but they're still they're so good that even if guys get hurt they've got fill-ins so not only are they good they're deep and then if they get to the all-star break or to the trade deadline, they're good enough, like you said, they're good enough to deal for more strength. So I, I love I love the Astros uh, going into the season here. And I love when you can clearly identify that you're watching a Hall of Fame career right before you. That little fucker Altuve just cannot oh, yeah. stop hitting. You're watching a Hall of Fame second baseman. You're right in the middle of a career, and you get to enjoy it and just watch it. And He's amazing. He is absolutely yeah. amazing. And if you've read anything about his story and how he got to this point where basically the Astros are telling him, look, you're not going to ever make it. You're not going to amount to anything. So you know, quit trying to be so persistent. And he just didn't listen and just kept being persistent and turned himself into a one of the best hitters of his generation when it's all said and done. That that's that's very cool to watch. Yeah, and that and just the overall lineup. I mean, you've got Springer could be a Hall of Famer by the time it's all said and done. Correa could be a Hall of Famer by the time it's all said and done. There is up and down that lineup 
there is a ton of offense and there's and there's still even more potential. We don't even know yet how good these guys can be. Will there be some regression? It's quite possible. Like I said, there could be the World Series hangover, but like I said, it, even if even if they fell backwards 10 games and they won 92 games this year, they're still going to win that division because there's just nobody lined up behind them that I think is ready to sort of take the mantle. Every team behind them has so many holes. I don't know where you want to begin, but there are, you know, honestly, when I looked at ranking that division, um, my sort of sleeper team in that division this year, my, my pick to finish second is Oakland. I actually like the A's to stick around a lot long. I know everyone loves the angels. Um, but I like the A's to stick around a little bit more this year because that's another team that's very young and they just have a bunch of guys that just are going to hit a ton of homers. The, the A's, even hitting out there in that ballpark, are loaded up with guys that just can hit for power. They're not going to hit for a lot of average, but they are going to club a ton of home runs out there in Oakland. And they are one of the few teams in that division when I look at the pitching it just doesn't completely scare me to death. Like the Angels, every guy in that Angels roster for their starting rotation, his arm's going to fall off. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 I'm sorry. It's just, Garrett Richards is Tommy John. He's just a walking one pitch away from Tommy John surgery. Tyler Skaggs can't stay healthy. Shoemaker can't stay healthy. We don't know what we're going to get from Otani. I don't trust the A's. But I, I mean the the Angels, but I like the A's offense, and I don't know when was the last time we said that. It was like 1988. Bash Brothers. Uh, so, so we're gonna definitely disagree right off the bat. I don't know uh, that I that I have Oakland anything better than uh, last in the division. I I did not see a path for them to be better than Texas or Seattle or the the Angels. Uh, because it just seems like anything that happens out there in Oakland uh, is gonna is like their snake bit. Uh, you, you talk about the power in the uh, in the starting lineup, but they're also you know the, the, what the prototypical power hitters seems to be in today's sport, which is a lot of power and also a lot of uh, non-contact. Uh, so they're one of those teams that I'm afraid of uh, because they're so liable to have nights where they strike out 18 times and get three hits um, as much as they are to have a night where they have six home runs. Uh, and I just feel like there's going to be a lot more of those nights, the uh, the 18 strikeout nights, than there is the six homer nights. Uh, and you can win trying to swing for the fences all the time uh, that we, you know, that that's kind of where the game is going now. They talk about the three true outcomes, walk, homer, or strikeout. There's so there's more of those guys now than ever before in the game, and that's so obvious that I didn't even really really have to say that. But you can have a team that has a whole lot of those and and still win, but boy, they gotta have some semblance of contact. I mean, somewhere along the way, they gotta make some contact that isn't just a, a, a home run. And that A's lineup, they they make a lot of hard contact, but they just they strike out too much for my taste. I, I don't really think that I have much trust in, in Oakland and I don't like their rotation either. They're one guy that, that seems to have any strikeout potential himself would be Sean Manaya, but he's 
uh, he, he gets hit around a lot. He, he, he throws a lot of fat fastballs that has a lot of contact made. So uh, I, I, you talk about not trusting the Angels. We're upside down on that because the Angels are my team to finish second in the AL West, and I'm picking them to win one of the two wild card spots. I, I guess I really oh. like the Angels this year. Yeah, they're uh, you're drinking uh, the Kool Aid a little bit, but th- see the the Kool Aid would be to to believe in all the veterans and say that they're you know, believing the veterans and also believe in Otani coming over and, and doing some dominant things, which of course I hope he does because I drafted him in my fantasy league. But, uh, but yeah, I, <laughs> as wait a minute, as a pitcher uh, or as a hitter. Uh, uh, as a pitcher, I, I don't think the oh, hitting okay. tool is, is is major league ready yet. I don't think they think so either. Uh, but it's actually their so, secret <laughs> weapon. So you'll like this though. Real real quick aside here. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm on the uh, A's. As we're going through. I'm on the Angels uh, roster resource page because I love looking at the the depth charts. And you go through and it tells you how acquired for every player, right? So it'll say free yep. agent, trade, free agent. Shohei Otani, it just says purchased. I thought that was illegal <laughs> in this country. Uh, in sports, it's all good. You own the, <laughs> the players. You own these men. They are your property. <laughs> it was purchased. <laughs> that's right. Sorry. That just brings good... the, the, that's just not a good word to put on there. You know, like bought contract. <laughs> You know, all, all that other stuff. Yeah, purchased. It's a good piece of meat. Sorry. That's, that's, a, that's a good, fine piece of meat that we purchased <laughs> right there. Uh, oh. no, that, that, that is very strange, but uh, that, that's how sports is. You you want to own these guys. You, you They're my guys to own. No, it, I'm actually, uh, for, for the Angels, their secret weapons to me are the young guys that are in waiting uh, because they bring over, for instance, the veteran Ian Kinsler to play second. Uh, he's still productive, but he's very old. And if he gets hurt or is ineffective, uh, they still have uh, Caleb Cowart waiting behind him, a young guy that makes a lot of contact and, and has some speed. They can plug in somebody like that. Uh, in the bullpen, we've uh, we talked a little bit off the air about this, but uh, they're going to Looks like Mike Soch is going to trust Blake Parker to be the the closer after he was the most effective reliever last year. Uh, but if he fails, you still got Cam Bedrosian. You still got a kid back there that wants to to take his shot, and, and he's ready to go. Uh, you got Jabari Blash as a as a bat off the bench. I've always liked him. He's got a lot of pop. It's the, it's the kids that are are waiting for their chance uh, when the veterans Albert Pujols and and, and uh, Kinsler and all these guys, uh, if they if they take a step back, if they're not quite effective, uh, that's what I like about the Angels, that they have some people waiting in the wings that they want their shot. Uh, a full year of Mike Trout is always good as well. So don't forget about that. He, he did get hurt last year. Uh, so, yeah, I got the Angels hanging around uh, and winning 90 games and, and making the playoffs. Wow, that's quite a jump. Because uh, right now, you know, you look at that division last year, the Angels, the Mariners, the Rangers, and the A's. Yeah, got out. Obviously, they got run out of the building by by the Astros. But those four teams were all finished the season five within five games of each other. 
Mm-hmm. And every team had deep flaws. And and honestly, the worry for me, and like I said, we're always in this perfect world before the season starts, but my big worry for the Angels is the health of their pitching. If their pitching no, stays bad. healthy, I am more prone to agree with you. But I have so much distrust for Garrett Richards and Tyler Skaggs, and we know Otani is going to have ups and downs, and there's going to be an adjustment period, and there's just yeah that that uh, that and Shoemaker that there's not a lot of guys waiting behind them either. So they don't have well, yes they offensively have some guys that you can wait for, but they don't have the pitching prospects to fill in. And I don't think they have the the deal making ability to pull somebody in if they're close. So I don't really trust them. And when I'm talking about the A's finishing second, I'm talking distant second. I, I'm talking like this sort of clump of these teams all together again. But you like you mm-hmm. like the A's. So already there for starters, we're we're going to disagree. And you have the A's in the wild card game. The Angels, I mean. You have the Angels in the wild card game. I do. Uh, okay. The, 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 I'd like the arms. To see that. I would. I'd love to see Mike Trout getting that crack. Um, see what he can do. Um, getting some playoff chances yeah. here. I just, I just don't have the faith in that team. You know, you talk about the young guys. That team is old. Right, but that's what I'm saying is those younger guys that are waiting for some of those older guys to to fall back. Yeah, there, there's a lot of spots being taken by really old veteran guys, but I, I think the young guys that are waiting behind them are, are pretty talented. And as far as the starters right. uh, in the rotation, I, yeah, I agree that the, the guys behind them aren't exactly young prospects, but I, I think there's still talent even in the second tier of those starters. I, I, Andrew Heaney has shown some some flashes throughout the year. J.C. Ramirez uh, still has a live arm. Nick Tropiano still has a live arm. Uh, these guys are uh, are sort of waiting for their turn as well. Uh, I, I think there's some guys that are waiting for an opportunity. Yeah, and where is Andrew Haney right now, by the way? He's hurt. Um, I'm guessing he's hurt because he likes to be he's hurt. hurt too. <laughs> he's hurt. So <laughs> He's hurt, and Alex Meyer is bad and hurt. <laughs> yeah, he's like out, of, uh, out for the year. Yeah, hurt, he's, I done. Think. he's done for the year, but when he was pitching last year, he was pretty, pretty terrible. So Pitching for me is the key. I, you know, I'm a Bedrosian guy because I own him in our fantasy league, um, in our in our Chicago league that we, you know, that we participated. So I'm a Bedrosian guy, but we we all know about Mike Sosha. Loves his his veterans. He's very Dusty Bakerish when it comes to that, and you can see it in the makeup of this roster when you're running out a hundred year old Albert Pujols and you trade for Ian Kinsler and you sign Louis Valbuena. Okay, hmm. you know I I didn't hate the Zach Cozart acquisition. That that's one of the ones I didn't hate. But yeah, even like he's pushing. Lot, even he's going to be he's turning thirty three years old this season. So good acquisitions. Just an old team. But we know Mike Social loves his veterans, and I'm worried about the pitchers' arms falling off. So that's that's the A's. But we get to disagree right away. Well, what do you think of uh, Texas and Seattle in that clump? Texas, Texas is the same every year, isn't it? We love the offense. Uh, I mean, Texas can, Texas can hit with everybody. I mean, they've got, and they've got, you know, they finally decided they're going to give that center field job 
that leadoff position, Delino to Shields to go out there and, and steal a bunch of bases. They've got Joey Gallo, who's got 50 home run power. Adrian Beltre, I, I, he's still around. He's, he's going to go out there and do his best. Nomar Mazzara, I love the offense of the Rangers. And it's, it's hard not to. In that ballpark, they're going to score a just a shit ton of runs. And they're pitching is nothing to Doug Fister, Matt Moore, Mike Miner. You and I had a long conversation about Mike Miner being either in the, assuming he's going to be like a bullpen guy and they've got him penciled in as their number four starter. Oh boy. So I'm not too crazy about, about, about Texas. And it's, it's not a whole lot different with Seattle. They added D Gordon. If that is probably the fastest team with the, with the Gordon and Segura at the top of that lineup. Uh, getting on ahead of uh, ahead of the big bats and, and Cruz and Cano, and, and so the offense once again, top to bottom in Seattle looks really good. But you know, King Felix is taking a step back. James Paxton's a walking DL machine, so eh, it's all going to just be. I think it's going to be for me. The A's are clearly the best of those three, and they have the most potential. So I'm going to look at the A's to sort of slide into that number three spot. And I think Seattle and Texas just fight it out for last. Oh, yeah, I don't trust uh, Texas uh, pitching as well. They are pretty much the same every year is that you look at the offense and go, ooh, that's looking pretty promising. And then you look at the pitching staff and go, oh, no, no, I, I can't can't take them seriously, especially with that bullpen. Are they really maybe looking at Tim Lincecum as a potential closer as the year goes on? Is, is, it, is it gotten that bad in Texas, really? Um, and, and that rotation is very lefty and very, very light, and very easy to hit. Uh, so I have them as my fourth place team in the uh, in the West, and I have Seattle in the middle there in third. The lineup is still solid, but getting older. Adding D Gordon, that's a flashy move, but there, you still don't get an RBI when you strike out. So that's still, you know, the, the way you, you play the game these days is hit it as far as you can. And if you strike out, oh, well. But there's, there's a lot of strikeouts in that Seattle lineup still. Um, if King Felix becomes the crafty righty, if he goes from dominant righty that he's been all his career to losing something off his fastball and still learning how to pitch and becoming a sort of a crafty right-handed hitter, uh, he can still win. Um, and we'll see if he's able to, to do that for a full season. Uh, but there's no doubt he's lost something, and, and it's a shame because that's another one that you – we're watching and saying, okay, that's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Felix Hernandez will be in the Hall of Fame someday as well, but he's definitely not the pitcher uh, that he once was, and, and that's too bad. So, yeah, I, I got the Mariners third in the AL West. Yeah. So, okay. So we both have the Astros. You have the Angels winning one of the wild card spots, and I have the – I have nobody coming out of that division. I'm We're just <laughs> arguing about order. So, all right. Yeah. What do you think of the AL Central? Here's another one. I assume we both had the same team winning the AL Central. Yeah, I, I, it's it's real hard for me to to give it to anybody but the Cleveland Indians. They're the class of that division. They will continue to be for a while. You, the the White Sox we talk about a lot. They are still in that rebuild mode, and they're doing it the right way. I, I'm going to still give them the credit for putting the pieces together slowly. And and it's going to be another year of excitement. I think they're going to be an exciting team to watch, but they're going to have some bumps and bruises along the way here. It's always tough when you have a young team 
that hasn't quite gelled yet. You're not fully what you're going to be going forward. All the all the parts haven't been sold off necessarily that need to get sold off and all the pieces put in place. So they'll be more fun to watch. The Tigers, I, I think it's just the worst team in that division. The, the, the Tigers are, we were talking about the window closing on the Tigers. It, the window didn't just close. The, the window closed and brought the whole place down with it. <laughs> the window shut. The rafters caved in. I mean, that, that is just, that's about as bad as it gets. So to me, it comes down to a two-team race for second place in that division behind Cleveland between Kansas City and Minnesota. Um, and this year, because I liked what the Twins did last year, and everybody's always, oh, yay, look at the Twins, and they jumped up. I'm actually going to look at the Royals this year to be the sort of surprise team in that central division to make the playoff push. And I have got the Royals this year jumping ahead of the Twins in a bad division. So there's a lot of wins kind of floating around in these bad divisions sometimes. I'm actually going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Royals to be that sort of sneaky surprise 85-86 win team to make that playoff push. And damn it, I've got the Royals as the second AL wild card. Um, there you go. That's your me jumping out with Anaheim is probably as shocking to you as you jumping out with the Royals would be to me. Uh, that's quite the bold pick out of you. Kansas City as a wild. Yeah, I, I don't think Kansas City is is very good at all. I think they started their very precipitous decline, and we watched them over the the last few years. We watched that run they made to the World Series. We were in shock that they were able to pull that off. They came right back the next year, made another run, and actually won the title. And we're like, okay, that's just unbelievable. Uh, but they did it a very specific way. They did it by making contact uh, in the batting order and, and getting a lead and then having that bullpen just come in and shut the door after six innings. It was just over. There's nothing you could do about it. That bullpen is nothing like it was. It is a, a shell of its former self. And the, the contact has kind of gone away a little bit. You, you lose Lorenzo Kane, who's one of those – big proponents of, of making contact and getting on base. Uh, you got the steady decline of, of the guys that were there. Alex Gordon is a shell of himself. Uh, Mike Moustakas is back. Uh, you know, he's not going to make a ton of contact. He d makes powerful contact when he does make contact, but uh, that, that doesn't really do anything for me. Um, yeah, I just I don't like the the Royals very much. I think they're on the other side of the the great success that they had in the middle of this decade, and then I I had them finishing fourth in the division myself, behind uh, only in front of, of course, the worst team in the division, as you said, the, the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, we both agree on that. No, I actually I uh, went through and I looked at the pitching rotations here, and this could be a debate. We probably have this debate for the whole rest of the show. But I actually think that the Royals have the second best starting rotation in that division. They don't have the name recognition that Minnesota has with Odorizzi and, and Gibson and those guys. But I think consistently, one through five, I, I think that the Royals have a very underrated pitching staff. It's going to go out, they're going to eat up innings. I don't think any of those guys particularly scream injury risk. 
underrated pitching staff in Kansas City is going to get them some sneaky wins. So I'm looking for them to be the sort of surprise contending team this year. And there's always one, right? Look at last year. Oh, sure. It's got to come from oh, somewhere. No, I, I agree with that. And I'll I said that I, I like uh, those the starters. I don't love them, but I, I like I've always liked Nate Carnes since uh, ever since Tampa Bay. I like what I've seen so far out of Jake Junis. Um, Ian Kennedy is a solid veteran. Danny Duffy has, has turned himself into an all-star uh, from the left side. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not a, a, against the Royals' starting rotation necessarily. Uh, I'm saying the big advantage that they had was they would be able to go six innings and then turn it over to the pin, and it would just be shut down. And it's not that anymore. It's you know, Kelvin Herrera is the only one left from that shutdown bullpen, and the guys behind him are definitely that, that's not Wade Davis and Greg Holland anymore uh, uh, surrounding him in the pen, not anywhere close. So. That's my big argument is not necessarily that the starting pitching is bad is that the, the, the fact that you could go six and, and say it's over is something you can't say anymore. And even Herrera himself isn't what he used to be. So the the ninth isn't even as secure as it was. So this, to me, it's just to me, it's, it seems like an elevator going down for the Royals instead of going up. But yeah, that's our, our second sort of big debate. We definitely have different visions on the Angels and the Royals. That's exciting. Already more excitement well, than last year. I was just about to say it's better than last show, last year's show. Kumbaya uh, baseball show. We probably have a difference of opinion on the the second place team that I picked in the division, which you talked about as a team that's rebuilding and on its way up, but still got some holes. Well, I and and I'm I'm a fan, so I might be buying. Well, the, thank I'm, you. I was about to I was about to point out. You I'm drinking the Kool Aid. I'm right. drinking the Kool Aid. I'm picking the White Sox to finish second in the division, not to win a playoff spot, uh, and not even necessarily to definitely finish over 500, but to approach 80 wins, definitely. Uh, so this is a bad do... division. So everyone who's listening, this is a bad division. <laughs> but I, you, you're looking for who's going to do the Minnesota thing from last year and, and surprise and contend, and you got Kansas City, and I wrote down, the White Sox will do the Minnesota thing and accidentally win more than they should uh, because they got Joan Moncada who's got all the tools. They got a full year of him. They got Avi Garcia has got the exit velocity and made himself an all-star last year. I don't see that uh, declining anytime soon. And, and those arms might be not just good. They might be overwhelming. That might be a surprise contender for second best rotation in the division. Uh, that those guys, those, those young arms that the White Sox are, are bringing along. When you talk about Carlos Rodon and Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez and Carson Fulmer, and, and of course, uh, waiting in the wings is, is Michael Kopech and his 100-mile-an-hour fastball. Those guys, if they can get it together, uh, could, could be dominant. I know uh, most of them have a problem finding the plate right now, but uh, it, that's – to be expected when you have that much power in your arm, but if they can harness that and figure figure them th- those arms out, they they can really surprise. They they I, I really am excited about my my White Sox, and I'm a fan, so I, and I sound like a fan, and I understand that, but uh, I, I think the White Sox could surprise this year. No, it's good to be excited. I, I haven't shit on them at all. I've actually been very complimentary of of the things that they are doing as a team and we're going to talk about another team 
that was sort of trying to go the same way as the White Sox that I think jumped the shark and set themselves back. So you got these teams that are sort of in going in different directions with the rebuild plan, and the key with the rebuild plan is sticking to it. And we're going to talk about a team in a little bit that didn't stick to the plan, and I think it's going to be to their detriment. So a little drama for the later parts of the show. Ooh, that's a tease. Uh, you got someone. You got someone being the new twins. I got someone being the new twins. What do you think of the actual twins this year? I think they're gonna. The, the twins are gonna twin. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't see the sustain. Eighty-five wins. Let's just be real. That's pretty weak for a wild card spot. Even a second wild card spot in the NL, it was eighty-seven. I mean, I think it was just a testament to to the weakness in some of these divisions, and there are teams that are going to get better, and and, and the NL East is going to be the probably the the toughest competition I think that the uh, that the Twins will face, um, and I just really sort of have them flip flopping with with Kansas City. Yeah, they were they they Kansas City won eighty games last year with kind of bubblegum and bailing wire, putting the MacGyver thing together. So I'm just looking at those two to maybe flip and uh, waiting for those teams in the East to sort of just go through the, the battle of attrition, knocking each other out. And that was sort of the way that the twins were able to sneak in. Right. Everybody else, everybody in the East just slugs each other and, and, and causes each other losses and pain. <laughs> and that allowed a team to sneak in. And I'm just looking at the Royals sort of doing something along those lines. They, they, I like, I just kind of like the mix of players that they have. I could, I'm a, you know, there's a prediction show. We're, we're probably going to be wrong. But yeah. when we're right, we rub it in. Well, and in baseball in particular, it's so yeah. hard to predict because these teams are so different by the end of the year than they are right now. So, uh, but, right. but we like just my have. Bracket. My bracket's total <laughs> shit. But man, I was all over Loyola. You were. You had him oh. for two rounds. If if only you had him for four. <laughs> I just didn't have him for long enough. Oh my god! If I I don't even know if I would have had Loyola in the final four and they made it, would this just be like a few years ago? You would just concede the whole bracket, no matter what the results were. Right. I would. I I could not possibly say anything to you for the rest of your life. If you were. <laughs> you were the one that had Loyola going all the way to the final four. Yeah. Ugh. I was I was proud enough of the fact that I had Loyola Nevada in the Sweet 16 game. I, I was very proud. All the rest of my bracket was trash, but I had that. So I'll hang my head on that. That's all I can say, because the rest of my bracket was garbage. Well, no one can take away the uh, Loyola Nevada prediction, which I'm sure I laughed at heartily and shit on, and and, and it definitely came in. I have to go back uh, and listen to the show to see how hard you crapped all over. <laughs> me, oh man, yeah, me, yeah, that'll be a good. That'll be that'll be one to to go back for me and listen to. I haven't gone back and listened to that show yet because I'm still I'm waiting for the whole thing to play out. Then it'll be more fun, I think, to go back and listen to the show once the whole thing is over. But yeah, it'd be fun to go back and listen to you laughing at me, which should have been the dead giveaway. It should. I, I talked about that too. Yeah, but yeah, so that's yeah, it's the whole fun of doing a prediction show. It's like, oh, I, you know, I don't quite see it the way you see it, and then one of us gets to pat ourselves on the back when the Mar when the Marlins finish second. <laughs> 
I think after the first two Loyola wins, I texted something along the lines of oh, you UN. Did. You weren't sister, happy. Yeah. UN sister Jean can kiss my black ass or something like that. So yeah, I, I yeah, wasn't you, happy I, about When that. I got that text, I figured you weren't very happy. I hopefully, I, I, I kind of hope you were joking, but I could see that that the competitive side of you not very happy that I had Loyola over Tennessee. Bullshit. Anyway. <laughs> I, uh, my official stance on the Twins, getting back to the baseball preview, was uh, it's just that repeating last year, th- that would start with number one right off the bat. Irvin Santana would have to be uh, what he was last year, and that's not going to happen because he's already out till May. And even when he comes sure. back, he's not going to be as good as he was last year. Uh, then they'd have to pray that 41-year-old Fernando Rodney can still be a closer, and, and I don't know you should trust your, your 41-year-old closer. Uh, they'd have to hope Miguel Sano and Jose Barrios keep growing and keep progressing as players, which very well may happen. Uh, but there's just too many things that went just their way last year for them to even get to that underwhelming 85 and 77 and that I don't think is going to go their way this year. And so I got them falling back and, and finishing third in that division. Uh, the, the Twins the twins last year were like the Bills. The Twins got to just, the trade deadline and were dumping. Happening. The twins got rid don't, of their closer. They, tra- they traded their closer. They yeah. traded Brandon Kinsler, who was playing very well. And they get to the they get to the deadline and they trade their closer. They're like, oh, we're done. We're like the Bills. Got rid of all their yes. best players. Like, ah, screw it. And then they go and they make the playoffs. They were the worst team that ever made the playoffs that I've ever seen. But they still <laughs> made the playoffs. And last year that was the twins, the team that was trying to lose. And somehow ended up winning. And we never highlighted that enough on the show. But now that we have history on our side, I see the correlation between the Bills and the Twins now. Definitely. I agree. 100%. Um, so I don't know if there's anything, anything to say about Detroit. Just their, the teardown is in full effect there. Um, and it's not even finished yet. If somebody wants Victor Martinez and then press – uh, in July, I'm sure they'll they'll give them up uh, in July and get some more prospects for them too. We knew it was going to end this way, though, right? This oh, is yeah. what happens. This is how things end. You have your shot. You've got your window. You've got all your high priced guys. You've got all the pieces in place. These guys get old. the The Tigers aged the least graceful of any team I've ever seen because they all got bad at once. When it ended, it ended big time. Yeah, it went it went down hard. That was not good. So <laughs> yeah, the, but they had their they had their shot, and now it's over. And now they got to tear it down and rebuild it again. It's just, it's the nature of things. Nothing bad. It just it, it's the way it went. I can't believe we're gonna have to do this, but uh, it, I've scheduled a ninety minute show thinking, well, we keep cutting off early, and we're gonna so I'm gonna mm-hmm. give us an extra thirty minutes live. Uh, the, uh, we're not going to get all our, our predictions in, in 90 minutes. So uh, for, for the three of you that were listening live, I apologize. Yeah, the National it. League preview. <laughs> the National League will be on the after show uh, on our podcast, which uh, you can find on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, or any number of podcasting apps out there. Uh, once the show is over and, and finished recording, uh, you can get the entire, which will be, apparently a two and a half hour podcast uh, after we're done with this show live right now. Now on to the American breezy, League East. It's a breezy 
It's going to be a very breezy two and a half hours, too. It, it is. I can't it, believe it we're is. already an hour and 11 minutes into the show. I, I really thought by making it 90 minutes live, we'd get everything in, and we're not going to even get an entire league in. It's unbelievable. We're too um, busy arguing so about, about the, the Royals <laughs> and the Angels. That's right. What do you mean you got the Angels? You're crazy. Uh, so the AL East, um, this one is also a little simple in the, in the effect that I think we both had the same two teams at the top. Don't know which way we're going on one team or the other, but I think we both have the, the Yankees and Red Sox at the top of the division. Yeah, and this one, that's it. I mean, that's – well, all right, maybe it will be a 90-minute show. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Last year we were both on board, and we patted ourselves on the back quite a bit on the show about being on board with the Yankees as the wild card, which a year ago was a bit of a, a bit of a shocking call. I mean, we, both of us were, you know, when I said it, you were just like, no, you can't have that because I have that. That was going to be your yeah, big that was shocking call. Yeah. Big yeah. surprise pick. Yeah. And I, and I totally, I totally, I totally stole it from you. So we go back last year, the Red Sox end up winning the division by uh, two games. So the Yankees, they, I mean, they really hung in there and who made themselves better. I don't really, I mean, the Red Sox went and got JD Martinez and the Yankees went and got Giancarlo Stanton. Now that's a big move to go and get Stanton. I do think that he will the first couple of times through the league, not be what we saw for the better part of last year, which was the best player in the National League. So I I wouldn't be shocked if we get to the end of April and you start to see all the ESPN, what's wrong with Giancarlo Stanton? I wouldn't be shocked, and I will be even less shocked when he completely turns it around and that Yankees offense takes them all the way to first place. They only have to be better than two games. They only have to make up a two-game difference, basically, from what they had last year with the Red Sox. And I, I think that the Yankees, they're still set. Araldis Chapman struggled a little bit last year, but I think that was because of overuse the previous season with the Cubs because Joe Madden knew he only had him as a rental player, and he treated him like the cheapest rental car that you're ever going to see. And he just knew that he was going to ride him. I mean, to a point where Aroldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth inning of the World Series was left out in the game to throw nothing but sliders because he had nothing left. And just on grit and guile, managed to end up actually earning the win in in a game seven of the World Series after he had right before that given up (laughs) the save. So I think he's fine which means that everything behind him falls into place, which means you don't need those starters to be great. They just need to be good because the, the, the Yankees do have a really good bullpen. Robertson, Batances, uh, they, they stole Tommy Canely from the White Sox last year. Uh, I heard a little, I heard, I heard a little something there. I think you agree. Um, <sighs> completely, completely, <laughs> completely stole him away. Uh, from the White Sox. So that is a grade A top-notch bullpen. 
other than Masahiro Tanaka, whose arm never fell off. We've still been waiting for it. His arm it's never amazing. fell off. That's a he, yeah. he altered who he was as a pitcher fundamentally. Yeah. But he never yeah. went on a DL. His arm never fell off like it was supposed to. He was supposed to be one pitch away from some impingement or some tendon flying off of his elbow, and he was, boom, Tommy Tommy John surgery. Leaves the only question mark for me in that rotation is, is CeCe. Good old chocolate cake. He's, he, he's still out there. He's going to be 38 years old. He's still getting it done, but he's really the fifth guy in that rotation. Jordan Montgomery is going to be better. Sonny Gray is a former ace. Severino last year pitched like an ace, and Tanaka is superhuman. So I actually like the Yankees to win the division by the by a very slim margin over the Red Sox because it's really hard to say anything bad about the Red Sox, who are sort of – on the other side, very. I mean, this is a team that is that that almost that that flawless mix of homegrown talent, really young, good players, and then a handful of sort of older guys. And now they've got JD Martinez in there. They signed Eduardo Nunez. That was sort of a sneaky sign. So um, when they after they traded for him last year, and they've got the rotation now. David Price, big health problem, big, big concern. So we don't know what we're going to get out of him. The back end, Rick Porcello, eh, wasn't he wasn't quite the same guy last year. So I have more questions about the guys falling in after Chris Sale in the Boston rotation, and also some of the guys after Craig, right before Craig Kimbrell. So I think the Yankees are just the more complete team, and that's why I think they win the division by a couple games. They just flip flop with the Red Sox this year. I concur. <laughs> All right. I also have the did Yankees I just, jumping. Did I just kind of spell it out it. there for you? Or? Pretty much. Um, I, I just wanted to point out that, yes, I'm aware that trading for Michael Stanton, Gio Carlo Stanton, uh, is not 100% guaranteed success for the Yankees because of the fact that Stanton put together a full healthy year last year in Miami for the first time, pretty much ever. Uh, it's actually yeah. rarer for him to have a full season than it is for him to have a season interrupted by injury. So to expect him to go out there in New York and put up 150 games, I, I, I don't expect that. I, you know, obviously he's going to bash and dominate when he does get out there, but he, his body is, is, right on the edge of not really being made for a 162 game season. You know, there's guys like that, that whatever great shape that they're in, you know, their body looks like something off a, a, a bodybuilder contest, but it's not meant to hold that kind of weight and put up with the, the strains and the, uh, the things that you have to go through for an entire season. Uh, and they just, they can't do it. They can't stay on the field the entire season ever. Mark McGuire was like that. Uh, just every year something else happened to him where he had to miss time uh, because his body wasn't was in great, obviously powerful shape, but it wasn't in enough shape, uh, didn't have enough flexibility to stay healthy for an entire season. I think Giancarlo Stanton might have one of those bodies. So uh, while him and Aaron Judge are tag teaming, it's something it's it's you know must see TV. You can't miss it. 
but don't expect that to be the case for 150 games. Uh, I really acknowledge and recognize that Giancarlo Stan is likely to miss some time uh, this year because he's always missed some time. Uh, and I still am taking the Yankees to leapfrog barely over the Boston Red Sox, uh, just because Boston to me doesn't have midseason call-ups. Here's another uh, uh, angle uh, to take the Yankees over the Red Sox. Boston to me doesn't have any call-ups any more impactful than what Glaber Torres and Chance Adams might do for the Yankees. Glaber Torres, of course, the uh, shortstop infield prospect, the uh, former Cub prospect, and Chance Adams, the uh, strong right-handed pitching prospect. There's no one else that there's no one that the Red Sox can bring up that could have the impact that those two potentially could have as far as adding something to the team of value and, and being a different team in September than they are right now. I think the Yankees have the ability to sort of really improve themselves in that respect. Um, they're going to be cool. Those new Bash brothers are, are going to be the, the cool toy uh, to watch Stanton and Aaron Judge together. It, it's going to be awesome. And I think they're going to have a lot of success when they're together on the field. I just want to recognize that they're not always going to be there. Uh, injury bug is going to hit somewhere along the way. Um, I still like the Red Sox as a team. I still like them to make the uh, the playoffs. Uh, I have them winning the other wild card. Uh, very solid signing in J.D. Martinez. I, I've always liked him, even back uh, as a Tigers uh, prospect. Back as a as a Astros prospect before that, actually, um, I'm going to be excited to see a full year of, of Rafael Devers at third base. He seems like he's going to have all the tools to to, to be a very productive player. Uh, they can be as good as any team uh, if if David Price does return to form and pitches like the David Price that we know. Uh, and so that's the real X factor for them. They could actually leapfrog the Yankees very easily and win the division if Price is going to be the, uh, the the 15, 16 win number two pitcher behind Chris Sale, the A's. I mean, who can have a, a, a deadly duo in a rotation better than Chris Sale and David Price back to back if Price is, is, is back to pitching like he can pitch? So, but definitely either way, Yankees, Red Sox, we definitely both have them one, two in the AL East. Yeah, and I also concur that this is going to be a division winner wild card combo. So to me, one wins, the other doesn't, either way. Um, so that means that I have the Yankees, Indians, and Astros the same as you. And we only we basically only differ on one wild card team. You have the Angels, and I have the Royals as sort of the surprise wild card team. So really doesn't shake up. Uh, too much different. All that disagreement, we only have one out of the five teams uh, different. Right, because again, there's only so many teams even trying yeah, to win. Very but, yeah, but we do have a lot of disagreements on some of those teams on the bottom. Uh, what do you think of the rest of the AL East between Tampa, Baltimore, and Toronto. I know there's not a whole lot to talk about with those those teams, but if no, you and any... those 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 three teams all kind of shake up about the same for me. I mean, Baltimore, you think they keep trying to get better? Baltimore has the longest legs as far as a team that looks potentially good going forward. It all depends on if they're going to be buyers or sellers. Uh, they, they, there were the weird rumblings that they were looking at moving Manny Machado. 
okay, I didn't quite get that. Um, I mean, if it was in the service of bringing in like a top flight pitcher, maybe because that's probably their biggest weakness is their rotation. But that that offense, they're going to score runs. Uh, actually, all those teams are going to score runs. The the Rays are sort of always the pesky team. You look at their roster and you go, ah, they're shit. And then they're just always there. They just always hang around. They're, they they always seem to be fairly well coached. They seem to get decent pitching performances, although they lost they lost guys, um, quite a few guys. So it'll be interesting. I mean, it's they, they've got Archer and Snell, and that's about it. I don't really yeah, trust any like of the guys Marlins, behind man. them. Yeah, they kind of so did like they the did a bit got of a hair about it. Yeah, I mean, when and, and all you need to know about the Toronto Blue Jays is that J.A. Happ is their their opening day pitcher. <laughs> well, for, I know some of that Toronto. might be injury bug related, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, Jose Bautista still doesn't have a job. The last I saw, unless he signed with somebody, since uh, in, in, within all the stuff that I looked at, I mean, that, that just that tells you what what they think of him and what the league thinks of him. You know, and what do they do? They go to the well and they sign Curtis Granderson. And let's just get older. Let's just get older and bad. <laughs> well, I'll be uh, for Toronto. I'll be rooting for a couple of, of uh, ex Redbirds that got excommunicated out of town and found their way up there in Aledmus uh, uh, Diaz, the shortstop, yeah. and and Randall Grichik in the outfield. Here's the thing: they both. Uh, they might surprise because both of those guys have pop, and that's what the Blue Jays do. They pop you. They, you know what you're going to get when you walk in there is they're going to try to hit the ball out of Sky Dome uh, over in, into another country somewhere. So they fit right in with the Blue Jays the way they're constructed. Uh, they don't even need Jose Bautista anymore because they got other guys that do the exact same thing for a lot less money. So I understand why they didn't bring him back. Um, Toronto also can surprise if – the other two guys in that rotation that should be the ace, uh, either one of them, Marcus Stroman or uh, Aaron Sanchez, if they step up and become the ace that they're supposed to be and, and not Jay Happ and, and Marco Estrada, those guys are just kind of there to fill out the rotation. Um, if, if Aaron can avoid some blisters and if, if Stroman can take another step forward, I, I, I got the Blue Jays finishing third in the division because I think they have the most potential to surprise uh, over the the uh the Orioles and the uh and the Rays um yeah the Orioles you were talking about Manny Machado being rumored to be traded it feels like it's an annual tradition of watching winner when are the Orioles going to trade Machado to the Yankees it's like every year we're watching for that and it's just sad because it's not like they can't afford it it's not like the Orioles are some poor small market team uh they got the money. They can afford to give Manny Machado, you know, $200, $300 million, whatever he's going to command when he becomes a free agent. It's just everyone knows they're not going to give it to him because they're just not going to give it to him. But they could if they wanted to. Uh, yeah. The Orioles, they, they got a rotation full of unfulfilled potential. Uh, at least they haven't fulfilled it yet, I don't believe. And until they all step forward and, and fulfill some of the stuff that, that they potentially can fulfill, I, I got them finishing fourth, uh, kind of distant fourth as well. I, I, I don't think they're uh, close to contending right now. And Tampa Bay, like you, like I said, they just got rid of every, everybody. And uh, the, the, thing, the other thing with them is at least midway through the season, 
they could count on, well, we're, we're 30 games out already in June, at the end of June. At least we can bring up these kids, uh, these guys uh, starting that we think are, are going to be good uh, starters for us in the future. And Jose De Leon and Brent Honeywell, at least we can bring them up and see what they got to give them a, a bunch of starts. Oh, to end the no. Uh-oh. They're both already out for the year with Tommy John surgery. Both uh, of them. Where's Joey Styles? Oh my God! They're dead. So they're they're dead until 2019. So they don't even have that going for them. So they they might not win. Uh, they, they might win. They might lose 100 games easily this year. They I don't I don't yeah. see much of anything happening for them. They might be the best. They, they might be the worst team in baseball this year. They'll be the best worst team in baseball though. They just always yeah. – <laughs> they, they might well be that. The worst team in baseball, that that's worse than Miami? Which which Florida team is going to be the worst? Is that is that what we're is that what we're going for here? I can see that. I can see them two competing for who's going to be worse. Yes. We take a bet. Who's worse, Tampa or Miami? We have, you know we got to we got to talk about Miami all we can on this show. But they're, they're both bad. They're, they're they're both terrible, and they both worked hard to get rid of anyone who might be any good. I mean, there's no reason to get rid of Evan Longoria. He's he's like the the face of the franchise. Yeah. He's the not just the face of the franchise. He's like your success story because everyone said he was going to be good when he came up, and there was all this pressure, and he he didn't really struggle out of the gate, but he wasn't all that everyone thought maybe he would be, but he kept at it and he kept at it and he turned into your perennial all-star every year. And he's, he's, he's like your Joe Maurer, basically. He's like your guy, like your, the, the two, the 200 fans that show up to your stupid stadium every year are there to see Eva Longoria play. Cause he's their guy. Cause he's the one that they've identified with. Now let's get rid of him too. Let's get everybody out here. Steven Souza, Longoria, all of you just go. There's no reason to do that. So, I mean, I don't even know who the face of the franchise would be now in Tampa Bay. I, Chris Archer, I guess, but I'm sure he's yeah, I was about probably going to get out of there. You nailed it. It's it, 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 Kevin Kiermaier because he's gritty. <laughs> yeah, the grindy, uh, the, the last grindy guy left. Yeah, they love their uh, grindy guys. I, I don't I, – Miami and Tampa will we'll both lose 100 games. That'll be my bold prediction. But that'll be a fire sale. They have tradable parts. Don't be shocked. If, uh, geez, is uh, is Colomay still there? Because if he's still there, he's going to be gone. So Alex Colomay traded. Chris Archer traded. You got to blow it up. You got to do it right. If you're going to blow it up, you got to go all the way. They very well may do that. All right. It took us 90 minutes to do the American League. Now let's move to the National League. <laughs> Well, we talked for a half an hour before we even started doing the, the baseball. Yeah, that's, that's true. Did, oh, I, by I, the I way, kinda... before we get off the Rays, did you hear about this yeah. idiotic thing they're going to do? With they're going to do a four-man rotation, and then when they need a fifth starter, they're just going to pitch a bullpen game. Yeah, I did read that. Just bullpen day. Um, yeah, so that's how you win fifty-five games, right? That's that's how you win fifty-five <laughs> games. You're, you're trying to lose, basically. You're you're saying I don't want so, to win baseball. So. So what we're saying is they're going to make the playoffs because, right? <laughs> That's kind of how it works. The more we the shit on somebody in a in a prediction <laughs> show, 
not, not only that, but the Better team that we are. clearly identify as the team that's full of quit. We haven't used right. that in a while. Hashtag full of quit. The team that's <laughs> full of quit somehow makes the playoffs. Go figure. Well, I, I cannot see a path for Tampa to, to do anything good this year. So, <laughs> yes, you're right. That, that means they're going to make the playoffs. So, if uh, anybody pull the tape when this happens. So, at least we could say that we sort of tongue-in-cheek predicted it. But we could we could cut it up to make it sound like we're really smart. In the National League West, that happens to host the pennant-winning team as well as the American League West. So in the NL West, it's the L.A. Dodgers that would appear to be the class of the division. Do you uh, agree with that again this year? Yeah, I think they still are. Last year, we were both, I believe, on the Giants, and we're both dead wrong. Um, so. <laughs> and and now, everybody you forgot seems about to want to be... Everybody, I did not forget. Everybody seems to want to be back on the Giants. No. No, the, the Giants lost like 95 games last year, some ridiculously high number. And then, they just, and then all they did was just add guys. They added old guys. So again, when we talk about teams just get old and now bat Madison Bumgarner's a little bit uh, banged up and he's hurt. So I'm not all over the giants this year. I was looking for a reason to not four and 98 last year. That is pathetic. Oh, that is pathetic. They are not turning that thing around that fast. There's They've some garbage. 40 in games behind the Dodgers. <laughs> yeah. They're not making it up. Just saying. <laughs> they're not making it up. No, the Do- the Dodgers, are they're really good. They're well coached. The, the, the lineup is loaded. And, again, we talk about these teams that are loaded and young. That Dodgers team – that is that that is not an old team. That is not a team whose window is going to be shutting on them any day now. Just looking up and down this roster, yeah, I mean the old Chase Utley. That's it. That's the old guy, and then they have one other guy on their uh, in their starting uh, offensive lineup that's that's over thirty. Everybody on that team is either into or are going to be entering the prime of their career. So we're going to be talking about the Dodgers for a while. Clayton Kershaw, I feel like he's been around forever. He's only going to be turning 30 here soon. That team is really good, and and, and it blends well. There, there are guys that we don't think of as being great who fit in great on that team, especially on the pitching side. I mean, Rich Hill, look, what, look at the career resurrection of just a guy like Rich Hill. Who, think about him he, as a he, Cub. How many years ago was that? Yeah, and he was the same guy. Then he went to Baltimore and sort of had that career reinvention. And he's he's got the big the big curveball, and then he blows it by you with that eighty seven mile an hour fastball uh, fastball. <laughs> but because the the curve is so big and so slow, you're just changing the velocities and tricking guys. And he's turned himself into a you know, a, a B starter. You know, he's not a he's not one of the top tier guys, but he's good enough. And 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 Wood had a great season. And Maeda, Maeda had his uh, postseason troubles uh, with the Dodgers a couple of years ago in that series against the Cubs. But other than that, that that the Dodgers are really good. Um, and then that bullpen, Kenley Jansen is probably, I think he's the best closer in baseball. I concur. So that's that's the Dodgers in a nutshell for me. 
my my one worry, and I I completely agree, and I'm picking the Dodgers to win the division as well. My one worry with them is how fragile the rotation might be. You're talking about some injury risk there when you talk about Rich Hill, who's not a spring chicken, Alex Wood, uh, Hunjin Ryu. They they're all uh, good bets to get hurt. They're all good, but they're all also uh, injury risk. And uh, they don't have uh, an option. Uh, one of their younger options was Julio Urias. He's not an option this year. He's doing the uh, the Brent Honeywell, Jose De Leon thing and, and sitting out pretty much the whole year. Uh, I think he might come back in September, though, uh, but he might not. Uh, we know they can hit, though, uh, and we know they're the, the, they're the class of, of the division uh, organization-wise, coaching-wise. Uh, uh, like you said, the, the hitting is, is not old. Uh, although Justin Turner got banged up and won't be uh, available yeah. for uh, a month, month and a half. When he comes back, you know what he's going to do. He's going to hit because he's just going to hit. Uh, and Cody Bellinger uh, will have his second year. And boy, did I not see that coming. That's uh, Bellinger's one of those guys that I saw down here in, in AAA and saw how good he was there. And then he gets called up you know, a week or two later after I saw him. And I'm like, oh, they're already going to give him a shot. Boy, that's early. I don't know. I don't know if he's ready. I know he's got the raw skill and the, and the talent, but I don't know about that move, calling him up so early. And 30 however many homers later, uh, there's Cody Bellinger winning rookie of the year. So uh, that was one I should have seen coming but did not. But, yeah, he's he's really good, and, and that team is, is definitely really good. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you having them – win the division. The interesting part is going to be who we have finishing second because uh, there's a lot of contenders that might not have uh, been, uh, might not have been the second choice uh, last year. I think about Arizona uh, and the season that they had as another team, sort of like Milwaukee and Minnesota that you just did not see that coming. You didn't think they were uh, capable of contending and capable of, of being there for a playoff spot. And not only were they there for a playoff spot, but uh, I, I was looking at the uh, point differential. We we like to use that in football. Yes. Uh, I was looking at the, the run differential in baseball last year and the Diamondbacks, I was, I was shocked to see were a plus 153 on the season. It's like, whoa, where did that come from? 93 and 69 on the year last year. Uh, and then the Rockies gonna follow right behind them and make the playoffs as well. And I definitely did not see the Rockies making the playoffs, but there you had it. Uh, two wild card teams both came out of the West. Uh, so how do you see that this year? Do you have them uh, making the playoffs again, or, or one of them, or, or how do you see it? As far as where they fall in the division, I've got them flip flopping. So I've got the 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 Diamondbacks sort of taking a little bit of a step back. Um, I like the lineup, but they really changed when they added J.D. Martinez to that, and they lost him, and I don't think they really did anything to replace him. <laughs> so you, you bring on the big bat, it sort of changes the look of the team. You, you don't, don't do anything that's really going to make the big splash to replace that production in your lineup that sort of, I think, put them over the top. Uh, Steven Souza is not it. I do like the Jared Dyson signing uh, because he's, I think he's one of those guys that gives his offense balance, which I think is very important. A team needs to have some speed and, you know, I'm a big speed guy, you know, even just from playing baseball on the 
PlayStation. You got to have some speed. You got to steal bases and put pressure on the defense. And if you lack that, I think that that opens up some flaws when you're just playing the stand around waiting for the waiting for the homer, which is okay, I guess, in today's baseball. But again, I'm, here I'm going back to being a little bit more traditional, and I like balance. Um, and the pitching rotation is is good-ish. I mean, I like those guys. But I don't. I find a lot of them is unproven. You know, Zach Greinke is getting. He's getting up there. He's just not what he was. Every year he loses something off that fastball, becomes a little bit more hittable. Every time he seems like he goes out there every year. Taiwan Walker is. He's Taiwan Walker. He's going to look like the best pitcher in baseball, and then he's going to go and have three starts in a row that just make you pull your hair out. And, and then you know Corbin, they're okay. Um, Colorado is not really about pitching at all ever because of that ballpark. So it's very hard. They're a very hard team to judge because all of their pitchers are going to have inflated stats. But that also means that all the road teams coming in are going to have inflated pitching stats. Um, be interesting to see. You know, the guy they lost was Chatwood out of that rotation, goes to the Cubs now, and all spring he's just looked incredible. So you, it's so hard to judge these pitchers for for the Rockies for how good they are because of the the thin air out there in Denver and all these inflated pitching stats. But the one thing I am not worried about with that team is them hitting the baseball. And 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 those guys are really good. I mean, they brought back Carlos Gonzalez, almost sort of like a ah, I guess nobody wants him. Well, we'll take you back. It, it just it didn't even give them a big contract, but they have to, that is a team that you want to talk about is put together and just rakes. Those guys all hit, and, and I mean Arenado is is an MVP caliber player. So I think that Colorado and Arizona flips positions in the division, but I have neither one of them to make the playoffs. Mm. Okay. Ah. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, we we got some disagreement going on here. Um, I have Arizona retaining their spot in second in ENL West, and I have them getting back to the playoffs. And I do like Steven Souza as an addition specifically as one of the main reasons. I think he's going to surprise and, and have some success in Arizona. I think uh, he's uh, one of the prototypical modern-day players. He swings hard and in case he hits it. Uh, and his batting average is not going to be very impressive, but he's going to sock you probably 30 homers, and he's going to steal some bases for you. He's, he's, he's a good all-around athlete. He's another guy that Tampa could have held on to and sort of made the face of the franchise if they were actually caring about competing and, and contending. Um, but, I, yeah, as a J.D. Martinez replacement – uh, not as consistent a production, but I think he can match the power. I, I, I think he, he actually will step in and, and be a good replacement. Certainly the big story in Arizona all year is going to be they're adding a humidor uh, to try to keep their uh, offensive stats from getting as bad as Colorado there because sometimes when the weather gets uh, warm enough, it can be Colorado light with the ball hopping out of there. They're going to try to keep uh, – keep the balls a little more moist and keep the uh, balls in the ballpark. And the the key will be, can they keep slugging while keeping the balls uh, moist and, and keeping Taiwan Walker and Patrick Corbin uh, more effective and keep them in the ballpark 
uh, because those guys can be some jackmasters. Uh, they can absolutely give up the long balls, and I think that's why they're going to that humid the, the humidifier uh, is because they know they got some talented arms, but they got some arms that can give up a lot of jacks. Uh, so they're going to try to see if they can keep that down. That's the that's sort of an unknown. So I'm going with them anyway, even though I don't know how the the, the style of baseball is going to be affected by that. That'd be something certainly to keep an eye on uh, all year long down there in Arizona. But I think they're talented enough to work around that uh, batting wise and, and and still be able to do what they got to do at the plate while giving them a giving themselves a better chance to be successful on the mound. Um, and I, they they did one of those deals where you take a young starter who was kind of struggling and you just say, go ahead, go in the bullpen, air it out, do what you got to do, uh, and we'll see how effective you are there. And now they got a new uh, young closer in Archie Bradley, and he's got the mindset. He's he's a little psycho, so he's, he's going to be one of those guys that uh, – uh, sort of the new Brian Wilson, you know, crazy beard, wacko, crazy person out of the pen, but he's going to be effective. He he, he lets it go, boy, um, and, and he's he's hard to hit. So uh, they got that working for him. I'm, I'm sort of a fan of all of that. Um, I have Colorado actually falling back to fourth. I, I don't think that they really do anything different than what they've always been. I, I don't think there's anything new there. The offense will always be a, a raking machine. And the pitching will always be ugly, and that's just how they they roll in Colorado. Um, although John Gray is rather impressive, he seems to be the one guy that knows how to pitch in Colorado. Uh, but everyone else is is as normal, is you know liable to get lit up any night there at Coors Field. Uh, they got the next young slugger there at first base in Ryan McMahon, but uh, other than that, I don't see a whole lot of young. Uh, up-and-coming guys after the, the guys that are already there. You mentioned Arenado, Trevor Story over at shortstop, uh, but I don't know how much they got coming down the pipeline. Uh, so I, I don't really think that that was uh, indicative last year, the fact that they made the playoffs. I don't think that I – th- I think that was a little bit of a fluke, and I got them actually finishing fourth behind, uh, uh, behind the San Francisco Giants. Oh, it seems like the Giants basically just – Making a couple, you know, the Giants got McCutcheon, they send Lagoria, and they're they're old, but but you think they're just going to kind of you know, Austin Jackson? I just look at that team and go, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, okay. they, they added some professional baseball players, so that's that's they worthy. did that's something. Their names, their guys, they're pros. Everyone you've heard of everybody in that lineup. Well, if that was, was actually... if this was if this was their lineup five years ago, yeah. I'd be I'd be calling for them to win the division. Well, I was ready to give them all the love and and say that they're going to play the game the right way and and make a big run uh, with with the addition of these new pros until Mad Bum goes and and busts his hand up with, on a line drive. Yeah. At least he didn't you know flip a moped over or something. But uh, <laughs> that's a big loss again. You you lose your your ace for whatever amount of time. It's not going to be as long as last year with the moped, but it's still. A, a, a bit of a loss. So I, that's really the reason why I'm dropping San Francisco back. I was considering putting them uh, in second place uh, in the division. Wow. Uh, yeah. That's a I big jump. Cool. And yeah, you yeah, were. Hey, that's all right. Uh, I think we all, I think we both uh, agree that the San Diego Padres are not trying to win and they're going to finish. Last. They are not very good. No, they're not. 
that that's not that's not even a fun team. I mean, I get home from work late, and I've got the baseball package. And if it's the Padres, if they're not playing the Cubs, I don't think I'm watching. Yeah, there's there's guys to watch, a couple of guys to me that I like, but overall, no, it's not a fun watch. The the young pitching isn't developing fast enough to really help no. out anything to me. So, you know, and the one guy that did develop and come out of nowhere last year, Denelson Lamette, he's hurt. So, yes. Yeah, there's really nothing nothing to see here. Uh, unless you're a big Will Myers fan like I am, there's really nothing else to see there. Yeah, so that, that's yeah, that's a, that's a pretty sad story. I don't think they're making a run. So stranger things have happened. I mean, we could be two weeks into the season and the Padres could be eleven and four, and, and that, that might be that, that would be the last we hear of them the whole rest of the year. Onto the division with your favorite team, the uh, the the Fuzzy Cubbies, the National League Central. Yep. You see uh, any surprises happening there? I I definitely don't see the Cubs getting dethroned in this division. Um, even with the sort of hangover that they had last year, and 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 the the rough start that they had to the first half, and nothing really seemed to go their way, and they they kept saying they weren't going to have the hangover, but you could you you saw that you were watching a team that had just gone through that incredible, you know curse-breaking, jinx-breaking postseason run. And there was – we didn't think that they were going to suffer from it. We had them, like, all-time great. And we we sort of overlooked the fact that this is just a bunch of young kids who went through that emotional roller coaster ride. There was basically nowhere to go for them, almost kind of butt down. And, and they kind of stunk in the first half last year. They were giving up a lot of early runs. The offense just wasn't clicking, and they got to the all-star break, and everything was sort of like the light turned on, and they rolled in the second half, and they had the best record in baseball, I said earlier in the show. And they still, through all that, ended up winning the division uh, by six games. (laughs) So all the stuff that happened, and as bad as it was, they still won 92 games, and and I I do expect them to fare better. Uh, better than that this year, so I, I I do I I do want to say though this is that team because I'm a Cub fan and this is one of the things I was looking at when I was looking at the roster. I I, I love the players. This is in this is the team you want if you're playing baseball in a video game. But for watching strategic baseball and. and this is not the this is not the roster makeup the way that it stands right now. This, this is a team that every guy one through eight in that starting lineup can go deep on any pitch, except for Jason Hayward, who's just going to roll out weekly to second base. But other than Hayward, every guy on that team is going to hit a ton of bombs. But that team has no speed at all. Um, I, I worry. I mean, their infield defense is really good, and, and Hayward's great on defense in right field. I still worry about the whole Kyle Schwarber experiment. I thought he should have been traded off as uh, to the to the American League, and he could go be a DH. He did respond by losing a ton of weight, looked like a completely different guy. Um, yeah, like I, the first time I saw him, yeah, I, the first time I saw him taking a bat, I was like, oh, geez, and 
you know, people are complaining about, you know, well, he's, he's not going to have his power. But, well, you know, I'm not that worried if his homers go 400 feet instead of 450. Yeah. The kid's still got the swing and the talent that he's going to clear the fences, but he's just not a left fielder. And, and I would have much rather have seen them, the Cubs being, going after one of the, the free agent speedy kind of guys or making a splash and trading for somebody I'd like to see an offense with balance. Everybody's fallen in love with Ian Happ, going to be the leadoff hitter. But that's great. Hitting a bunch of home runs in spring training does not a good leadoff hitter make. You still need to get on base. Now, I understand the easiest way to get on base is get on all of them. But that's not going to happen all the time. Ian Happ is not Ricky Henderson. And I don't care if a guy hits a home run 10, 12, 15 times out of the leadoff spot you still need to have some spark to your offense. So that balance or that lack of balance worries me for the Cubs, but not enough that I don't think they're going to easily win the division. Um, The positive side for the Cubs, I don't want to sound like I'm bagging on them, is that rotation. That pitching rotation is is top flight. I mean, Lester, Hendricks, Darvish, Quintana, and, and Chatwood, who's looked really good, um, this spring, the guy they signed over from Colorado, who basically takes the spot that was previously occupied by John Lackey. The way John Lackey pitched last year, you can't get much worse. So I think that's going to be an upgrade. The Cubs don't have a true closer. They're going to run Brandon Morrow out there. I have always kind of thought he was keeping the seat warmer. And Wade Davis, and these guys have always been kind of keeping the seat warm for Carl Edwards, who who just needs to get out of his own head. Um, and just trust his stuff. You know, that's one of those things where he's got all the stuff, and, and, and it's like he's got the stuff, but I wonder if he's got the makeup. Does he have the mindset? Because Carl Edwards can go out there and look a little deer in the headlights sometimes, and, like, the moment's bigger than he is. But I do like the bullpen. I just worry. If there's any worry, and I'm nitpicking, it's the balance in that offense. whole bunch of guys that can hit 25 to 30 home runs is a whole bunch of guys that can also get two hit shutout against a lot. And we see that a lot with the Cubs where they come out and they have the offensive explosion and then they score three runs in the next three games. They're they're trying to do what they can with such a talented lineup, though. I don't know what else they could do as far as a leadoff guy. It's either going to be Happ or Albert Almora, um, right. And be, because they don't want to try uh, Addie Russell or Javi Baez up there at the top because they don't make enough contact either. Um, and, you know, Chris Bryan and Anthony Rizzo and Wilson Contreras are your middle guys. And, and Schwarber's not a – they tried Schwarber as the leadoff guy. They might actually wind up doing that again. But uh, there's not too many other options. Uh, it's, it's a very talented young lineup. I got them winning the division again, uh, just like you. They're still young and talented. Uh I don't know what else they could really do with that lineup. It's almost where Joe Madden could put them in a hat and pick it out and say, okay, you're the leadoff guy today because whoever's left over to go two, three, four, five, six, seven, you know they're going to rake, and you know it's going to be very difficult for whatever starting pitcher has to face that that lineup that day. So um, I, I agree with you, though, that, that it's less than ideal to have a guy at the top of the lineup who – he might hit you 25 homers, but he also might have an old, uh, on base of 290, which is terrible. But uh, 
not sure what else they can really do. They may make a move somewhere along the way uh, to put somebody else out there in center field uh, because I think they're going to wind up missing John Jay and, and Dexter Fowler probably more than they think they are, uh, unless Al Moro just develops into this uh, all-world player uh, somewhere along the way, which it may happen. I, I didn't dislike him when I saw him down here, but I, I didn't think he was you know great either. But uh, we'll, we'll see. But they they got the room. They got the breathing room to do whatever they got to do because they're so loaded pretty much at every spot except closer, like you said. The, the rotation is definitely loaded. Hugh Darvish is the perfect uh, addition. Uh, hopefully he's healthy and, and over the things that he was being afflicted by the last couple of years. And hopefully he's, mentally he's over that World Series where he didn't seem to be able to, to throw its slider maybe because of the makeup of the baseball itself I don't know but um, if he's over that and he's back to being the the you of old then that, that's absolutely the perfect signing for the Cubs and uh, I think they're in position to do, to do whatever they got to do to make any additions uh, halfway through the season and address whatever uh, problems that they may have yeah they may uh, bring Greg Holland in to close for them uh, before the uh, you know before April comes you know they still got room to do to do that if they want so uh, I'm with you Cubs definitely are, are the class of the division yeah especially as a team that just didn't have to go and make a ton of moves they they cleared out payroll and just brought in payroll you know it, there's, you know, and people are all, oh, why didn't they sign all the you know, these Cubs fans? They got to shut up. They can't sign everybody <laughs> because all of this young talent, Bryant and Rizzo and, and, and Russell and uh, Bayer, all of these guys at some point are going to have to get paid. And, and that is going to be a really big moment for this roster because once all those guys start getting all the huge contracts and, and the Astros are going to go through this and the Yankees are going to obviously can afford to, but all these teams are going to have to go through this. When you give the big deal, you don't always have as much left over for the rest of that roster. And that's when the, the farm system starts to come into play or the, the sneaky good free agent signings. That's the only way that you're going to take the success and sustain it. The Cubs are in the easy part of this right now, believe it or not, because they're very good, they're very young, and most of the guys on their team are very cheap. But when all these good young guys start to become good, young, and expensive, that's when the true test is going to be. That's when that's when you find out who they really covet. Because <laughs> someone is going to go. That's all I'm saying. Someone's got to go. They, can't all, they can't all get paid. Several of them will be gone. Addie Russell beating his wife is probably going to go. And uh, <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't be shocked if Javi Baez was gone. If, if Javi he and learn the plate discipline, might yeah. be gone. Yeah. Well, Javier Baez just has no plate discipline. If that kid could learn plate discipline, just learn how not to swing out of your shoe tops at <laughs> the outside breaking pitch. Or fastball. He's got all the helmet. talent in the world. He's got all the talent in the world, but you do not have to throw him a strike to get him out. That's for sure. You, you throw him a mistake, though, and it's it is gone. It is yakatow. <laughs> uh, so the Brewers surprising last year and, and contending yeah. very late. Do you, uh, do you have them rebounding and, and contending once again? I do have the Brewers in contention this year. And I was all, one of us, I think, were very high on the Brewers last year. But 
the Brewers are that team for me that that sort of made the deal with the devil. The the Brewers were not going to catch the Cubs. And I and I think the problem that the Brewers had cuz they had the rebuilding plan. They were they were getting young. They were bringing up all their players. They were making good acquisitions. And I think the worst thing that happened for the Brewers last year was they sort of they got the taste. They got the taste of that first place. The Cubs just weren't very good in the first half. And the, the Brewers like, well, maybe we're closer than we think we are. But I think the problem is, is the Brewers. Mind. Yeah, that start that he had and just the run out that that team had at the beginning of the year. And it was sort of like this feel-good story. And they're, they, they think they're closer than they are, but I don't think they're anywhere even in the same league as the Cubs. And this year I do see them, you know, I think the Cubs are just going to be better. I don't think the Brewers are going to be worse, but the Brewers aren't winning 92 games. They, they might, they might, they might hit that high eighties again, you know, and get themselves into that wild card spot or one of the wild card spots. But I don't think that the Brewers are going to be good enough to overtake a Cubs team. That's poised to probably win 98, 99 games. The, the Cubs just, if they just have a, slightly better first half <laughs> this year than they had last year where they're not just was seven games. They, they were just ridiculous. They were two games under first uh, 500. They were like five and a half games out at the break. I mean, they, they the whole thing evaporated in a week. I mean, the Brewers yeah. were like way up on the Cubs and the Cubs within a week were back in first place and never looked back. Um, I didn't like the Brewers moves. I did not like the trade for Yelich. I didn't necessarily understand the Lorenzo Kane. That's an overloaded outfield. I didn't like them trading Louis Brinson, who I do believe is a very good prospect. It's very easy once you trade the guy to shit all over him. Ah, he's just a strikeout machine. Who isn't a strikeout machine when, when you're 22 years old and full of talent and you know you got the whole you're a defensive wizard and you can. That team was on the upward slope. They were primed for success, and I think they got a little too antsy about trying to contend too soon because their pitching is not very good. The, the Brewers, the, the Brewers made these offensive changes, and that's a good offensive team, but that is not a rotation that is even going to begin to be in the same league as the Cubs or even the Cardinals. So I, I don't like the moves that the Brewers made. I didn't understand it. I thought that you know, they were the team. When we talk about the teams that had the plan that stuck to the plan and we're seeing it with the Cubs and the white and, and, and the white Sox and the Astros. And you know, we've talked about some other teams too, that they're bringing up all this young talent and cultivating it. And they've got a trend and they're getting better every year. And you felt like the Brewers were sort of, doing that and they blinked they were playing chicken and they blinked and uh i think it's going to help them in the short term but i it's still not going to be enough to get them over the cubs but it might be enough to get them into a wild card spot and that's what i'm calling for see i did like the moves that the brewers made because they weren't ah. resting on their laurels on, on their shocking second place finish last year they went out and got who uh, Christian Yelich, who is a very good young player, who he doesn't have a pop, 
that a lot of these young outfielders have these days, but he's got something they don't have, which is an ability to actually get on base. Uh, which he is, should seems to be. <laughs> Nobody has that anymore. No, so he's Link got discipline. Yes, uh, that's a, that's a lost talent. The center fielder Lorenzo Cain that they signed—that's a special case as far as getting someone else who has played discipline and can get on. Is not just that he has played discipline; it's that look at who he replaced. Uh, you talked about how deep that outfield uh, can be. Keon Broxton went yeah. 2020 for the Brewers last year, but because he has no plate discipline at all, and I mean no plate discipline, Keon Broxton has taken his 2020 as to Triple A because Lorenzo Kane is a professional player who can get on base and who can do a lot more to help the team win than just put up stats and go 2020. Lorenzo Kane's not going 2020. But he is helping you win baseball games because he knows how to win and he knows how to play. I liked the moves by, uh, by the Brewers. Uh, they bolstered the offense and the defense. Uh, Kane and Yellich are both upgrades defensively as well over who they were going to be running out there. Uh, and, and I think you can really watch out for the Brewers to be dangerous if the rotation can perform uh, and, and do more than people think they can. No, they're not going to contend with the Cubs uh, or the Cardinals rotation. Like you said, uh, both both teams have more talent in their rotation than the Brewers do. But if they can tread water while Jimmy Nelson is out uh, and let Jimmy Nelson come back, he was developing into uh, sort of their ace, their, their staff ace. And the guys behind him are, you know, they're they're okay. They're they're they all right. You know, the, the rest guys. of the Brewers. Uh, they're, they're all right. The guys. The guys. You know, Brent Suter is, is a fireballing left-hander, but he doesn't know where it's going a lot of times. But, uh, but yeah, I, I actually liked a lot of the moves that the Brewers made. I have them once again contending. I have them winning a wild-card spot in the National League, and I have them battling with the Cubs. Not for first place late into the year necessarily, but once again – uh, giving them uh, giving them a little bit of a fight. Yeah, there was a moment last year. I remember uh, the Brewers. I think it was Travis Shaw hit a like a three run walk off off of Wade Davis. It was like the first save that Wade Davis had blown all year. It was probably mid September, maybe a little after Labor Day, and it, it had gotten the Brewers to within like a game and a half or two games of the Cubs. And I remember watching the Brewers celebrate. After the walk off, I'm at, I'm at work and I'm surrounded. I'm, I'm at work and I'm surrounded by Brewer fans, and I'm watching the Brewers celebrate. And I made the keen observation that that's great, but they're done now <laughs> because they kind of. You ever see that team that over celebrates? Celebrates mm-hmm. a little too soon. And that was that moment for them. And I was literally, as it was happening, I'm watching it, announcing to my coworkers, they're all brewery. I wasn't saying this as a, as an up like a you know butt hurt Cubs fan. I was basically saying, this is it. The, 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 and then after that, the Brewers fell off very rapidly and ended up finishing six games out because they just didn't have the horses to keep up with the Cubs and, and, and acting the way they acted like they had just, they were acting like they just won the world series. I've seen walk-off celebrations before. This one was so over the top that 
you just knew that they just expended all the energy that they had in this loss. And you could see the Cubs are just like, yep, they're done. <laughs> you know what I mean? And and it did. So I'm sure it's going to be exciting when they play. And, you know, and I, I do like what they're doing. I just don't like they sort of, they, they sort of suspended what I thought was a very good plan and, and to, to get these guys that they didn't really need. They improved their team, but they didn't get players that I really thought that they, that they had to get. They didn't look at a position of weakness and go, we're going to make a position of weakness better. They took a position of, of, of relative strength and made it better. I mean, but the, yes, Keon Broxton, it was a strikeout machine, but we've we've been knocking on other guys on this show who were strikeout machines. He clearly had the talent. He was a defensive wizard. I was at a game that he was God. The Cubs couldn't get anything in that ad outfield. So the only way the Cubs could win the game is to put, hit the ball over him, like all the way over him, um, yeah. out of the stadium. <laughs> no, he, he's but an awesome he, he, athlete. Yeah, but then all of a sudden you start to hear. That now the Brewers want to trade Danny Santana. They want to trade, who's also a pretty good young outfielder. Um, they're moving Ryan Braun in some experiment to first base. Uh, Eric Thames is still. I, I didn't like the mix and the shakeup, and sometimes they might. I think they're going to get short-term success at the sort of the sacrifice of their future. Well, we shall see. We we definitely disagree with that. I did like their upgrades. But we both agree that they're going to be good, or at least, um, which leads me to my third place team in that division, which is the St. Louis Cardinals. And in fact, I have them in such a close third place in that division. They are my other wildcard team. Oh, so I am going with the wildcard matchup this year of Brewers Cardinals. Uh, I think the the Cardinals kind of had a bit of a down year last year, very very uncardinal like. Um, they, they, they were in it, uh, they were in it all the way to the end, ending up, uh, oh geez, what a four, three games behind the Brewers, four games out of the wild card. Um, but I, they're, they're just that sneaky team. I, I, I like the mix that they have on offense and I, it's hard to say that as a Cubs fan, cause I have to hate the Cardinals. So I think they're all a bunch of assholes, but they are, they can pitch. I mean, they've got they've got a you know at least at the top end of the rotation, Carlos Martinez is a stud. Waka is really good. Um, they had this Weaver kid come up last year. They've they've got uh, the kids coming up from their farm system, um, taking the place of Adam Wainwright until he comes back because he's pulled his hammy. So once Wainwright comes back, they're going to get even better. It's going to be they're a good team, and that offense is is a bunch of guys that don't really jump off the page at you. But when you see them play as a team, they play very good team baseball. And I think the Cardinals, they're well coached. I think they're going to be there right up until the end. Um, I think that they, once again, we talk about those divisions where teams can sort of, can sort of feed off the bottom and with the pirates and the reds, that's a lot of wins that you're going to see the Brewers, the Cubs and the Cardinals come up with. I mean, that's a lot of wins. You could be talking to each one of those teams walking away with 15 to 25 wins 
just off a of play in the garbage in the bottom of that division. And that goes a long way towards helping you make the playoffs. No, that's a very good point. Um, I, I don't have the Cardinals making the playoffs, but I do have them very close. I, I definitely have them in the race for, for the wild card spot. I also have them finishing third in the NL Central. Uh, can Marzell Ozuna provide a, a fresh attitude for a franchise that I think I think they need it? I think they play a little stale, a little old. They're trying to protect this cardinal way, which is a myth. And I, I think they need somebody to come in and sort of shake things up and get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. And we'll see if Ozuna can do that. I think he can, uh, but I think they still need some other tools to fall into place. Uh, I'm not going to break down every farm player that comes through that goes to the Cardinals, uh, even though I'm sitting down here in their farm system and I see all these guys, but I will briefly, (laughs) I'll briefly talk about the two that you brought up, Luke Weaver and and Jack Flaherty. Luke Weaver, I told you last year, I don't know why this guy is still in AAA. He's got nothing left to prove. He's ready now. And he came up and he was ready and he was good. And he's going to be good again this year. He's definitely what they need. Uh, in that rotation, he's got the the live arm, and he's 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 got the secondary pitches. He's got the breaking stuff. He's got the off speed stuff. Uh, he just needs the experience right now. He needs the experience against major league pitch uh, hitting. Uh, he's not going to get any better working against Triple A hitting because that he was just making them look silly. Jack Flaherty is a kid that needs to be down here in Triple A to continue to work, um, but he's going to be up there because of the Wainwright injury, as you just said. So out of necessity, they're bringing him along. The reason he needs to be down here is because of his attitude. It's not his stuff. His stuff is electric. His stuff is really good. It's, uh, he's one of those guys that every time he gives up a hit or a walk, you can tell it in his body language and in his face that he he oh. thinks he should never give up a base runner to anybody. And when he does, he oh, starts, oh. Lily. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those guys. He doesn't think he should give up anything oh, to anybody oh, when boy. he does. And also, oh, the yeah, empire he's doesn't the give guy it. The, the camera cuts back when he's the guy who's like slapping his mid at the ball, and the catcher right. throws the ball to him. Or like, yeah, okay, he's that guy. And if, and if the umpire calls a, a ball that he thinks should have been a strike, he can start, you know, getting a little oh, oh. you know, the body oh, okay. language. Oh, got it. Yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll see how long he lasts in the majors this go around. But like you said, he's only up there temporarily until yep. uh, Wayne Wright comes back. But, yeah, they, they got some fresh guys. They need some fresh guys, and so they're going to contend. I don't like Luke Gregerson as their closer. I, I, I understand that he's got the experience, but I think they need something uh, with a little more oomph at the, at the back end of that bullpen. I know they had Trevor Rosenthal these years, and he kind of flamed out a little bit last year, but they let him walk. I, I don't know why. I think they could have brought him back again and given him another shot, but – they're going with Gregerson right now. We'll see uh, how long that lasts, but uh, I got them finishing third in the division. You know, it's funny because we, we, you know, Marcelo Zuna, Yelich, all these guys, all Stanton, all this, all these great players that the that the that the Marlins get rid of. And I just realized, do you know who the Marlins are? The Marlins are, and, and you'll get this reference right away. The Marlins are. Uh, freedom in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you got that right away. The Marlins are that team that everybody's been uh, with in a fantasy league. And Andre and I were in a fantasy league with a team called Freedom in Christ. 
and the guy just like rage quit the league and cut his whole team. <laughs> so all of a sudden, like all the top players, everybody from this guy's team, because he rage quit the league, he just cut everybody all at the same time. So all of a sudden, you're looking at the waiver wire, and there's like Albert Pujols, <laughs> you know, and, uh, that's the Marlins. Guys like that are the reason why every league you get in online now has a no-cut list. Yeah, that's the reason. That guy, the that Marlins, guy. the Marlins have rage quit baseball. <laughs> they have. They really have. They just. <laughs> I just look looking at this. This I mean, all these teams of looking at all these stud players and how acquired something Miami trade Miami free agent <laughs> Miami trade Miami 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 Miami. Yeah. He's just rage quit the league. The freedom in Christ. That was the name of the team. And as soon as I said that, I figured you'd get the, the analogy. Oh, yeah. I, I, that That's was who a, the Marlins fun, are. That was a fun Saturday morning, boy, to wake up and see these talented oh, players on the wire. Because I was in Everybody's second place, in this I believe, point. at that point. Yeah. Everybody's and in the race to up all. Oh, yeah. yeah they, they helped me win. I, I believe I won but that league. Dirty, and, but, but, but you felt oh, dirty, it was awful. though. I mean, it did. Yeah, the the you, you, you didn't shower. You had to shower after this. It's just terrible that feeling. Like, ah, oh, I feel yucky. I didn't happen. earn it. Yeah, no, that should that should not happen. But that's what the Marlins just did. So henceforth, the rest of the season, I'm going to call them Freedom and Christ. <laughs> Miami Marlins and Christ. Um, the Reds and the and the Pirates. You have any? Uh, they suck. <laughs> observations about them. <laughs> I mean, we got we got 13 minutes left in the show. What do you? How much is there to say about them? The pirates, the pirates are trying to to lose. I mean, we we, yeah. we know that, right? You just traded your franchise player, got rid, just let him go. I mean, they've they're desperate to get rid of Andrew McCutcheon, who's the face of the franchise and one of the best players in baseball. And you just you don't want that guy. You have no plan. Your plan is to lose. And the Reds are just they're just they're bad. I mean, let's just let's just be real. The Reds are just really terrible. Before they got rid of McCutcheon, they got rid of their ace Garrett Cole. That's two guys that could have been the face yeah. of the franchise, and they got rid of both of them. Uh, yeah, we don't need so, those guys. Yeah, we don't. So, so for that, so I the Reds. Yeah, I bestowed the pirate. I bestowed the Pirates the honor of uh, finishing last in the Central and having the Reds finish ahead of them because I think that's how bad the Pirates are now. The, the Pirates are quitting so hard, they're going to finish behind the Reds. That's bad. That's real bad. Because I think the Reds are going to be – both of these teams are, are not done selling off pieces. It's going to be a fire sale. And, and this is a perfect time to do it, by the way. Memo to the Pirates and the Reds. You've got as long as you've got the Cubs at the top of that division, and we assume the Brewers are going to be good for a while here, and the Cardinals are always good. This is a good time to just tear the whole thing down and, and start from zero. You've got great baseball cities, you've got storied franchises. Your fans will forgive you if you just tear it down and start over and do it the right way. And when you're good, the fans will all be there. They'll have supported you, and they'll come back. But don't do this sort of mush mouth half, you know, mushy mouth half in the half-assed way of doing it. Don't do it. If you're going to tear it down, tear it all down. The Pirates are certainly tearing it all down. The Reds They're have trying. torn it all down and and yeah. pretty much have nothing left to move except for Joey Votto. We'll, we'll see if that right. happens uh, before the summer is over. 
All right. Uh, so we all we have NL is the the e oh, the NL least with an L. <laughs> yeah. Again, it's so predictable, but nobody's contending with with Washington. I don't I don't trust any of the other teams. I I like. The youth movement, we talk about the youth movements again. You've got the Braves doing it again, um, getting young, and they've got some really nice pieces. They brought up Swanson last year. They've, they've got Freddie Freeman, who's who, you know perennial, could be all-star type first baseman. He's a quality player. They sent this Acuna kid down Such who was like, the best play I saw your tweet about that. It's like the best player in spring training by far, but he needs more time. I mean, he clearly needs more seasoning. Right. And they Chris sent him Bryan down basically because he's just, too, right? yeah, Chris Bryant needed more. See, Oh, come on. It happened. And none of these players are ever going to win a grievance about anything like that. But I, I actually do like sort of the way that the, the Braves are going about it, and a lot of these teams are doing it the right way. You'd like to think that the Marlins, that's their plan. What, what Now that they've – I'm sorry, the, the Freedom in Christ Marlins, now that they've <laughs> now that they've gone off and done what they did and, and hopefully picked up the right pieces to get that team better, but it sounds like they're not done yet either, so they're going to continue to get rid of pieces. And and the Phillies aren't very good. I know they added they added Jake Arrieta, but I still don't trust them. And the Mets pitchers are all walking injury risks. So it it by default, it's the Nationals division to lose, and I don't see any of the teams behind them making a serious run at them or a serious run at the postseason. Definitely concur with all that. Uh, no idea if Davey Martinez is going to be any smarter of a tactician than Dusty Baker. You could only find out after the game start, but uh, it's the worth giving it a try. going to matter is in the playoffs. They're going to be in the playoffs. That's when we'll right. find out how good of a manager Davey Martinez is. And it's worth trying because we know sleep. what was going to happen with Dusty the in the playoffs. Yeah. If Dave Martinez could sleep through the regular season, they're going to make the playoffs. So not many lineup questions. The closer situation should be much more stable. Uh, Sean Doolittle, Ryan Matson, uh, Kinsler from the from the Twins we talked about earlier. Um, I like Atlanta's youth movement too enough that I have them finishing second in the division. Uh, oh sure. It, like I said, uh, Acuna is in AAA and not in Major League. Uh, that's just wrong. It's it's a joke. It should never happen. And you're right. There's nothing that's ever going to be done about it. Uh, but the rest of that young core, it's still on the rise. Uh, they get a full year of Freeman, who he was going to draw some MVP votes last year. That's how good he was playing before he got hurt. So uh, if he can come back to that level, that'll be a big boost. Uh, the Mets are such a question mark. They could find themselves at the top of the division contending with the Nationals if everyone is healthy. And if not, they could be at the bottom. They could, they could finish dead last, it, all depending on if everyone can stay on the field, if that pitching can take the ball or not. There's so many guys that, that are so talented, and they are all walking injury risks, as you already said. Um, they got some kids themselves that are poised to, to run things someday there when you talk about Conforto and Dominic Smith and, and Ahmed Rosario. So uh, they got a youth movement going on, too. The Phillies have had a youth movement going on for quite a while. They – make a move that it seems like they think they're ready to jump up and 
contend and get rid of the youth movement tag. They, they bring in Jake Arietta, who's not cheap. Um, they're trying not to suck after years of trying to suck. So we'll see. It, it's going to take an, an, it's going to be an adjustment. It's going to take some time for them to, to turn it around. I got them finishing fourth uh, this year. I don't have them making the big leap just yet. They're, they're serious with Arietta, but uh, you know, I, I still don't trust the rest of, of those guys. There's a lot of uh, talent there, but there's not a lot of maturity, it would seem. When you talk about uh, Odubel Herrera and uh, Michael Franco, uh, they still have games where you just look at them and go, what are you doing out there? What the fuck? What, what's wrong with you? So they, they still got a ways to go. Uh, and the, and the, the Freedom and Christ Marlins, it's like they got pissed at winning 77 games last year, so they just got rid of everybody they possibly could. It's just yeah. disgusting. That's Derek Jeter for you. Yeah, the, the great winner. Most overrated shortstop of all time. He <laughs> <laughs> had one little stupid jumping throw off his foot, and everyone thought he was a great shortstop. He sucked. And he sucks at running an organization, too. Anyway, so in your National League, it would, that's, so that's uh, all the same picks as well for us, with one exception, the wild card, yeah. one of the wild card picks. Yeah, I have uh, the Cardinals, and you don't. You have the, have the Diamondbacks. We both have right, the right. We both have the Brewers. Right. Right. But you have the Diamondbacks, and I have card. the Cardinals. That's yeah. right. So, how do you see it all shaking out in the playoffs? Yeah, now let's see here. I have got a NLCS rematch, Cubs Dodgers, but going the Cubs way this time. So I've got the Cubs going back to the World Series to play last year's winner, the Astros, who I have over the Indians in the ALCS, and I have got the Cubs going down to the Astros in the World Series because I think the Astros are just too good and too balanced. Ah, After all that, we got completely boring and predictable. I also have Cubs (laughs) versus Astros in the World Series with Houston coming out on top because they're so deep and so dominant. The exact same matchup with the exact same results. That's right. So you know what, everybody who just listened to this on the podcast <laughs> for two and a half hours, fuck you. We still agreed. Oh, that's the exact same, exact same <laughs> conclusion. Oh, my God. That is I love crazy. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't even know what there's to a, say anymore after that. I think they're the two best teams in baseball. I, I really do. Um, and it's and it's almost the sort of perfect symmetry to the last two seasons where you had the Cubs meteoric rise and you had the Astros rise. I'd almost feel ripped off if we didn't get a chance for these two teams to go at it. The two teams that were put together the right way that everybody is trying to model themselves after. I, I want to see, see a classic. I want to see them going mano a mano. Um, for that World Series, and they would they would match up really well. I mean, that would be a fun one to watch. I think that's exactly the same reason I put that together in my mind of, of Astros versus Cubs. It's the yeah. the two teams that are like the the Sports Illustrated cover darlings of 
you know, how to tear it down and build it back up and the, the sabermetric darlings. Uh, yeah, it, it just makes sense that they should be uh, together in the World Series, that they should meet up with each other. Uh, it's like waiting for that uh, Kobe versus LeBron NBA Finals that should have happened, that never happened. But it just felt like it was destined to happen. Maybe right. this will be the same thing, that they never actually get together with each other. But it just feels like it's supposed to happen. So so we both – actually, I can guarantee it's not going to happen because we both picked it to happen, so there's no way it's going to happen. I was talking about this at work the other day because you got all these people, you know, all the Brady people, and you know, I live in Packer country. I'm like, you know, there's a very good likelihood that we're never through this whole run of all these Patriots Super Bowls will have never gotten a a Brady Rogers Super Bowl. Right. You know, every the guy who's won all the titles with the guy who almost is universally looked at as being year over year the best quarterback in the league. We might not never see those two guys play in the Super Bowl. And it's almost like man, now I feel kind of ripped off now that we both agree that this Patriots dynasty is sort of in its waning days. It's dying or dead already, uh, depending on our point of view. So from that standpoint, now I'd feel really bad if I don't get to see a lot of Cubs Astros or a that would be an all-time great matchup. Two teams that did it the right way. They're not buying titles. Um, I think it'd be awesome. So I, I hope we're right. But what a way yeah, to end the too. show. All that. All that. And we have the same World Series with the same result. Sorry, folks. <laughs> yeah. And that ends our show because we got about a minute before we get sniped. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.